New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. You know, Tony Schiavone, it amazes me that you and David Crockett come out here and talk about planned action. Like the horsemen sat around some big table and delegated Tully Blanchard to go do this at Dusty Rhodes. You're sadly mistaken. Flair and I went to Kansas City to issue a challenge and buy clothes at Michael's, and that's a simple fact. Now, if you want to say that's the reason Dusty Rhodes lost the World's Heavyweight Championship, you say it, because I know Dusty Rhodes wouldn't. Dusty Rhodes is an athlete and a man, and he walked the aisle in St. Louis, and he was the world's heavyweight champion, and he fought his butt off. I watched it. On that day, a better man won. Ric Flair, one of the four horsemen, my best friend. Now, you people want to take something away, you go right ahead. Dusty Rhodes was the world's heavyweight champion for the third time. You, David Crockett, wouldn't know what it was like to put a jockstrap on. Now then. The fact of the matter is, what happened in Kansas City is because Tully Blanchard, the national heavyweight champion, does not like Dusty Rhodes. Cannot stand the man. Only Anderson cannot stand the man. Arn Anderson cannot stand the man. And Ric Flair cannot stand the man. That is the reason why the horsemen are out here and why we are what's happening in professional wrestling. And you can take that to the bank. For all you youngins out there who are excited about AEW's debut, wondering why they'd bring in Tully Blanchard as the advisor for Sean Spears. Well, this storyline goes back decades and decades. Tully Blanchard, quote-unquote, hated Dusty Rhodes. Coming into AEW to advise Sean Spears to help, quote-unquote, destroy son Cody Rhodes. Makes perfect sense. And you know, it's sad to see social media and grown adults who claim to be wrestling fans for 20, 30, 40 years that grew up loving the NWA and act like they have no clue why AEW would bring in Blanchard. Are they suffering from Alzheimer's or maybe they're just trying to get tweet fucked from the youngins out there who don't know the storyline history? I don't know. But I'm not knocking this. I actually like it. It makes sense. We'll see where it goes. What's up, everyone? Season 2, Episode 32 of This Week in Wrestling History. I am Don Tony, as always. This week, we covered a period of August 6th through August 12th. Now, the clips, the highlights are uh, quite a few this week. Luckily, I do not need to talk as much because when I look at the overall week in history, it's a lot lighter compared to almost every other week during the year. I think it's because we're in the summertime, and if it wasn't for SummerSlam, I think the next two or three weeks would be very, very light as well, but I want to get right into it. You know, I always mention the wrestler debuts at the end of each show. Uh, That's different from the year prior when I was doing these shows, but I want to make mention of this because obviously he's one of the biggest stars of the last 40 years, if not wrestling history, and I, I would say wrestling history, Hulk Hogan. This week in 1977 made his professional wrestling debut. Uh, the reports are that he wrestled against Brian Blair, be Brian Blair, 
Uh, don't know if he defeated him. Something tells me that not only he defeated Brian Blair, but if it was up to Hogan, Brian Blair would have been seven feet, nine inches tall, 800 pounds, and Hogan only was wrestling on one toe and overcame the odds. Ah, that's what storyline suspension and disbelief is all about. Yes, I'm grossly exaggerating it, but a great moment I can't believe it's that many years already. Hogan makes his debut this week in 77. This week in 1980, a very popular event took place here in Queens, New York. Shea Stadium, which is no longer uh, constructed. It was knocked down many years ago. WWF had the Showdown at Shea event. 35,000 plus attended. Not everybody paid, obviously. Little tidbit. For those that are wondering why this event took place at Shea Stadium in the first place, well, one, they thought that they could draw big because of the storyline with Zabisco and Bruno San Martino. But another tidbit that a lot of people may not know, the Democrats, I don't know if it was a Democrat National Convention. I don't think it was that early during the year. It could have been, but the Democrats... Uh, who were running for office in 1980 to determine who was going to be the Democratic nomination, they were in Madison Square Garden this week in 1980. So Madison Square Garden was taken. WWF went to Shea Stadium. Match results, the hangman over Rene Goulet, Ivan Putzky over Johnny Rods, Angel Angel Marvilla, Mavilla over Jose Estrada. I hope I'm not pronouncing that wrong. Beverly Slade and Candy Malloy over the fabulous Mula and Peggy Lee. Dominic Danucci over Baron Miguel Cicluna. Greg Gagne over Rick uh, Quickdraw McGraw. Tatsumi Fujinami over Chao Guerrero to retain the WWF Junior Heavyweight title. For the WWF Martial Arts Championship, Antonio Inoki retains the belt, defeating Larry Sharp. Andre the Giant over Hulk Hogan. And watch that match, you know, because that is a prelude of what we would get several years later at WrestleMania. Tony Atlas over Ken Patera. Uh, now, that was an icy title match, but because it, Ken Patera lost by countout, we did not have uh, the title actually factor in the decision. Uh, titles that did factor in the decision. And look, this was storyline. Backlund, who was the WWF champion at the time, he teamed up with Pedro Morales to defeat the Wild Samoans to win the tag titles. At that time, you were not allowed to have both uh, the IC title and the heavyweight title or the heavyweight title and the tag team titles. So Backlund was forced to relinquish the tag title. So uh, it was a nice moment at Shea Stadium, but you realize quickly Backlund was not going to keep that belt. Yes, in storyline, you look back and you say, why did Pedro choose Backlund? It's not as cut and dry for an explanation, but you'd be surprised how many times back in the day for various promotions, someone would have to relinquish a belt because they were a double title holder. Um, you know, some storyline, somebody would want to win the belt off of someone else just to get them the title off that person. But, uh, yeah, it was a cool moment. Uh, and the main event, Bruno San Martino defeats Larry Zabisco in a steel cage match. Very memorable, and it is on the WWE Network if you want to go check it out. This week in 1984, uh, the Junkyard Dog makes his WWF debut. Now, remember, at this time, we have surpassed uh, quite a few weeks of the WWF on TBS, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Fans were not happy. 
at WWF taking over Georgia Championship Wrestling on TBS. The ratings were not doing well at all. Junkyard Dog, you know, this was way before he got, you know, a lot more poundage attached to him. And, you know, he was on a roll in 1984. Very, very popular, doing great in Mid-South Wrestling. But, uh, hey, Junkyard Dog, um, you know, made his WWF debut. I thought he would go further, to be honest with you, being a young fan growing up and seeing him in that promotion. Uh, his feud with Terry Funk is probably my favorite, looking back on it. I always remember the Saturday night's main event, Mother's Day. And uh, who was he facing in the ring? Oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, Pete Doherty. <laughs> Watch the match. Make sure you have the volume all the way up when you see it. 1986, we opened up with it. Tully Blanchard cutting a promo. This was a great storyline. And this is another example. You know, when when you listen to the history show and you follow it week after week, you understand why I say Dusty Rhodes is not one of the greatest NWA heavyweight champions of all time. He had the title three times. And when you add up the amount of days that he held the title, it's just not long enough to put someone. Look, look I hate using analogies with other sports, but whether you're, you're a fan of the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, the, uh, the MLB, you know, in order to win a batting title, a scoring title, a touchdown title, a rushing title, uh, goals, you have to play a certain amount of games. You have to play a certain amount of innings, you know. And the thing is, I mean, Dusty Rhodes held the heavyweight title for the NWA three times. How many days? You add the three up together. Is it even 150 days? I don't remember the, the number offhand. But he just didn't have the title long enough. He was best utilized chasing the title, not winning the title. But it was this week in 86, Dusty Rhodes, who was the NWA World Heavyweight title, took on Ric Flair in St. Louis, Missouri. It's a shame, especially with all of the TV that NWA and WCW was doing at that time, especially you know you're doing this title change, that you didn't have... You know, like more of a professional taping of this with live commentators. I, I'm a little surprised. I mean, yes, at that time it was, uh, I wouldn't say every day, but it was normal to see these title changes taking place on house shows. But this feud was great. I mean, they were doing the, the summer tour and it was a couple of days before that Dusty Rhodes retained the title against Ric Flair. After the match was over, Tully Blanchard attacked Dusty Rhodes, fucked up his leg. Ric Flair had him in the figure four and the storyline. And again, this was not televised. This was, you found this out through the papers more than anything. And yes, the local papers were covering the, the results, but they would recap it on TV. And that's what you're going to get in a moment. So we have... Dusty Rhodes, early in the week, retaining the NWA heavyweight title against Ric Flair, but he is now injured. He has a problem with one of his legs. This leads into this week in 86, St. Louis, Missouri, Dusty Rhodes defending the NWA World Heavyweight Championship once again against Ric Flair. And not only here are the highlights of what went down, but after the match, you will get... Promos from both Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes, which were the first interviews that they did following this 
NWA Heavyweight Title match. Enjoy. St. Louis, one of the greatest matches in the history of wrestling. It's a capacity crowd at the arena in St. Louis as Dusty Rhodes defends the NWA World Heavyweight Title against Nature Boy Ric Flair. Remember the pain Dusty Rhodes has suffered at the hands of not only Ric Flair but Tully Blanchard. And we're going to notice as we're well into the match right now, Ric Flair against Dusty Rhodes. We see Flair now going off. Dusty, notice the left leg, David, heavily taped. But that will not stop the athlete Dusty Rhodes at all. Dusty never saying anything to anyone about that leg. Now watch, Ric Flair takes it, goes for it again, takes a chair. Right on the leg of Dusty Rhodes. Dusty down on the concrete floor as we take a look once again. Flair going right up towards the rope. Now Dusty in so much pain, cannot even get up at this time. And Flair back in the rig. You know, we've mentioned this before. The pain was so severe, Dusty could have laid on the floor, let the 10 count go by and retain the title. But the man he is, he got right back up in the ring, as we'll see in just a few seconds, and continued the match. That's right. And we talk about the pain. The pain is such that Dusty Rhodes, laying on the floor, does not even try to get up, just rolling around. But the man that he is, he sucks it up. He starts coming up to get back in that ring. He could stay out, take the count, and still be the champion. But no, he rolls back in. And now what does Flair do? Goes right back to that left leg. This was planned. And better believe this is pain. Right up against the ropes, all the way now down on the leg. Flair, as you can tell, feeling good right here. You know, David, you were there, and it, it was one of the greatest matches ever. Oh, yes. Both men were given it 100%, as you can see, and Flair ev evidently with a, with a game plan to stick with that leg and, and do it exactly what he wants to do. Dusty is such pain, he couldn't even protect himself there. That leg is limp. Once again, bottom roll, all the way down. You're talking about all the way putting pressure not only on the ankle but on the knee also and flair goes after the leg once again still snug okay. right now what he jumps up dusty hops right back up he didn't even think he could walk a second ago and now all the energy he has puts it back up and there's a biotic elbow Rhodes ready again all right the there that leg that leg stopped him from it he gave out that was the same move that lariat that won him the match in kansas city two days before but now he does it now he goes for the pin, but they're too close to the ropes. There's the leg. Now the referee, Gene Lagan, saw that the leg was on the ropes. Dusty thinking the match is over. And now Gene Lagan says, no, leg on the ropes. Continue the match. Dusty thinking it's over, and Flair goes right to the leg again. Clipped him from behind. Takes the leg. Turns it around. Puts that figure four on. And he has it locked in tight. Magnum TA runs down the ringside. You see him in the bottom of your screen, knowing that Dusty's in tremendous pain right now. Unbearable pain at this time. Trying to encourage the American dream, part of America's team on. And the fans behind Dusty, too, at this, this time. There's Magnum. Can he do it? Magnum yelling louder and louder for Dusty to get his shoulders up. He does. He can do it. Watch it. Flair, squeezing tighter and tighter. David, there's a couple of ways to get out of the figure four. Number one is to go to the ropes. Number two is try to reverse the figure four leg lock. 
And we're going to take a look right now. Dusty still getting another win, getting more energy. You see his right arm up in look, the air. Look at Magnum. Say, come on, you can do it. Now, Dusty right here will try to reverse this figure four leg lunge. Here he goes. The fans behind him. He turns it over. And now, He's got it. But watch Flair immediately turns it back over. And now Dusty's back in it. Flair grabs the ropes. All of the leverage and all of the force down on Dusty. It's too much and the pain. The pain was too much. And there's the pin. And there it is. As Magnum comes in to unhook the figure four once again. The heavyweight champion of the world in St. Louis is Nature Boy Ric Flair. This is your opportunity to look firsthand at what's happening in the world of professional wrestling. The rightful claimant, the world's heavyweight woo, wrestling champion stands before you. Woo, look at his only a world champion out of look. Now, Tony Schiavone, you said it yourself, Dusty Rhodes, a great champion. He'd have to be a great wrestler and a great champion to represent the National Wrestling Alliance. You see, we don't specialize in rock and roll music. We don't specialize in Hollywood. We specialize in professional wrestling. And in other words, if you want to wrestle the Road Warriors, you got to be a man. If you want to wrestle Murdoch, you gotta be a man. If you wanna wrestle Blanchard, Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, the Russian, if you wanna wrestle the Express, you gotta be a man. That's what the National Wrestling Alliance stands for. A bunch of tough men that aren't afraid to walk the line. And you see Big Dust, even though I don't like you, there's no disrespect in walking the aisle. With that bad leg, knowing that you had to face the greatest wrestler alive today. And David Crockett, just like Dan Marino or Jim McMahon would do if there was a quarterback, a slow quarterback out there, he'd be throwing it all day long. I saw Dusty Rhodes, had a bad leg. Not my fault Blanchard did that. But he had a bad leg. I went for it. And here I am to tell you woo, that I am Slick Rick. I am Space Mountain. And I am the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. And tonight, Atlanta, Georgia, the Omni. Tomorrow, Huntington, Charlotte, North Carolina, Indianapolis. I don't care where it is. There's going to be Linda on my left and JD on my right. But I'm not telling anybody until it's all over with which one of you girls I'm taking home tonight. Woo! For Pro Wrestling Illustrated, this is Bill Apter. Today, it's my pleasure, an extreme pleasure, to be doing the very first interview with a man who is three-time NWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Champion. Man who defeated Ric Flair in a cage in Greensboro, only to have an ugly incident happen to him in Kansas City where he was attacked by Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, and Ric Flair, only to lose the title back to Ric Flair two days later. This is the man with the NWA Championship belt. He's sitting here right now. 
Dusty Rhodes. Dusty, a leg injury. First thing I must ask you is, how is the leg? Well, Bill, it's a pleasure to be back and, uh, and to talk to Bill. I'm a personal friend of mine. When you're down, you always like to, uh, to talk to your friends, you know, and uh, I didn't want to give any interviews right afterwards because I was hurt physically and emotionally about losing the World Heavyweight title. It meant so much to a, a great mass of people throughout this country. And Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, represents the National Wrestling Alliance and Jim Crockett Promotions. And it's the major league of wrestling, as you say often, uh, Bill, after, uh, throughout this country, throughout this world. And I want to tell you about the National Wrestling Alliance. That is like the, the NFL. It's the big time. And, and there's a lot of regional champions and a lot of champions that wear belts. And there's a lot of champions that are movie stars and wear belts. This is where you get down and do it. This is where it, it is survival time. This is the oldest and most coveted sporting title in the world. Nature Boy Ric Flair once again has the World's Heavyweight title. Ric Flair beat me in St. Louis, Missouri. And there was nobody that jumped in. There was no outside towel being thrown in. I was defeated. For three seconds in my life, I lost something that meant so much to me and my family and the many fans out there. Dusty Rhodes, injury or not, makes no excuses. Ric Flair holds the most coveted sports title in this country, bar none. He wrestles for the National Wrestling Alliance and Jim Crockett Promotions, the biggest worldwide governing body of professional wrestling ever in the history of wrestling. So Dusty Rose has to regain the World's Heavyweight title. It's very simple. I have to come back and do what I know I can do. And the many fans know that Dusty Rose can defeat Ric Flair, the World's Heavyweight champion. Tully Blanchard, Iron Ole, Anderson, J.J. Dillon, the Four Horsemen, took it upon themselves to make 1986 the year that Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, would no longer be in wrestling, that this thing would all be over. Well, that's not going to happen because millions, not thousands, but millions of American people have that same dream Dusty Rhodes has, Bill, that same dream of being somebody, doing something and making some of yourself. The American Dream lives. The belt is what dreams are made of. Nature Boy Ric Flair is dreams, his life, his livelihood, his cause, his women, his personal attire is all wrapped around that World's Heavyweight title. So now then we have to regroup. Millions of people throughout this country, we have to regroup. Some ain't going to come back with me. That's fine. Because if you can sit out there in your living room and say for three seconds in your lifetime there was nothing ever bad happened to you, then you're lying to yourself. So in three seconds, Dusty Rhodes lost the world's heavyweight title. It's history. But let history record this fact that the American dream lives each and every one of you. And I'm coming back to get it. And Tully Blanchard, 86 is going to be the year you personally have no pins to walk on, no wheels to run on. So let it be Bill after that Dusty Rose, the American Dream is back. I feel great. The leg is injured, but it will not keep me from crawling or walking in that ring or arena throughout this country every night. The American Dream is coming back for what belongs to him. Five days, 88 days, 14 days. That is the length of each of Dusty Rhodes' heavyweight title reigns. One of my favorite WCW NWA wrestlers growing up as a kid loved his work in the WWF because it was lighthearted. It was feel good. You know, I, I laugh at young fans that weren't around 
in the 80s and the 90s, even though Dusty was wearing the polka dots, that guy was having fun. He turned chicken shit into chicken salad. We loved it. Sapphire, you would have never in a million years ever thought that she would get over like she did. And uh, it was great, man. Dusty Rhodes was awesome. Uh, But he would never hold the NWA title again, despite the promo that you just heard. So this week, 1986. I hope you enjoyed it. This week, also in 1988, the Iron Sheik wrestles his last match for the WWF. Now, this is after the disaster with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Once that happened with Duggan, I mean, Iron Sheik's run in WWF was never the same. This week in 88, he would wrestle his last match in the ring, even though at the time, you know, they were trying to play off that he may challenge Macho Man. He would leave, return back, and he would be involved in the storyline with uh, Sergeant Slaughter. And later on, he would be involved with the Sultan and see him with Backlund together. I don't know. I just, I never got into it. But still, this week in 88, Iron Sheik, when he was on Wrestling Challenge, if you ever watch it, uh, put on a decent amount of weight. Was still in great shape, don't get me wrong, but you could see he uh, was a lot slower in the ring. And uh, they got rid of him. Same week in 88, Owen Hart makes his WWF TV debut. Now, a lot of websites that like to say that Kurt Henning made his WWF TV debut. That is actually incorrect. Anybody that grew up in the early 80s being a WWF fan like me, you remember Kurt Henning and Eddie Gilbert, God rest both their souls. They were teaming up, although they were enhancement talent. Kurt Henning, I wouldn't say, was under contract. I mean, contracts were a lot different what they were by this time, and they would change again in the 90s. But still, as far as a main regular roster talent, Kurt Henning made his return to the WWF. He wasn't Mr. Perfect yet, but he was on the cusp of being Mr. Perfect. Owen Hart would debut as the Blue Angel, If people remember, we highlighted the match last year. Got a great pop. You know, especially a lot of fans had no idea it was Owen Hart under the mask. You read about Owen Hart in the magazines, but he was still an up-and-comer. He would eventually turn into the Blue Blazer within weeks. But anyone out there that really wants to go back and look at it, check out Blue Angels WWF TV debut against Barry Horowitz. And uh, Owen Hart put on a phenomenal performance. Got over really, really well with the live fans. Uh, go check it out. Definitely you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. 1990 AWA, pretty much done. This was their last set of TV tapings in its existence. At this time, they're on ESPN and they're not getting any any big play whatsoever. 1990 was not all that great in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, you saw a lot of hokiness in the AWA. They did that $1 million, what the fuck was it? The AWA Team Challenge. It was god-awful, man. Um, I, I'm a little pissed off because we recently lost Harley Race, who passed away uh, at 76. And the AWA this week in 90 held their last ever sets of TV tapings. One of the matches that was on that last set of TV tapings was Larry Zbysko versus Harley Race. Now, what's sad about it is this match was shown on ESPN, but for some reason, nobody has footage of it online. I have some 1990 AWA on VHS. You know, when I used to go to indie events 
in the 90s especially, you would have these bootleg tables that would have best of Hulk Hogan in Japan, AWA, best of the Dangerous Alliance. You'd buy them for like five bucks. A lot of times the match quality wasn't, wasn't all that great. The tapes I used to buy more than anything was WWF events from Madison Square Garden from the 70s and the 80s that I may have missed or was too young or just didn't have the opportunity to watch originally. I have to go back to my AWA collection again and see if I happen to have this match. WWE, as of now, has not put the match on the network, but from people who saw the match, they actually said it was pretty damn good. Uh, So we don't have the match of Larry Zbysko versus Harley Race. At the time, Zbysko was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. He was the final AWA World Heavyweight Champion, if I remember correctly. But we have their promos. They were hyping up their match. And I want to share them because I think people will find them entertaining. Harley Race cut a great one. Zbysko, arguably, cut one even better. 1990. Welcome back to Championship Wrestling on ESPN. And in case you just joined us, today's main event features a man who has held the heavyweight championship of the world no fewer than seven times. We're talking about former NWA star Handsome Harley Race. And earlier today, I had a chance to get comments from him. Well, anytime you wrestle Larry Sabisco, because I'm Harley Race and how many times I've been champion is not going to intimidate him the slightest little bit. Larry Sabisco is a very, very capable wrestler. He's got a ton of wrestling knowledge. I'm just going to tell you this, that I think I've got that much more. And when I walk in that ring, I plan on walking out of there world's champion. Joining me now, the heavyweight champion of the world, Larry Zabisco. And Mr. Zabisco, we just heard the comments from Harley Race, and you heard what he said. He's been a champion more times than most people have ever even stepped into a ring, and nothing would make him happier than to take your belt from you right here in front of a national television audience. You know, I would expect something more original from Harley Racing. He's a man here that claims himself to be so great. And he is good, Bischoff. Seven, eight-time world heavyweight champion. He's known all over the world. And he's got a reputation as big as Sam Martino's and Nick Bockwinkle did, okay? So I would expect Harley Race, of course, that's his greatest moment. Anybody in this wrestling business that puts on a pair of tights, his greatest moment would be getting in the ring with the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Mr. Zabisco, I had a chance to talk to Harley Race a little earlier, and he commented that Even in your own mind, you haven't lived up to the reputation of men like Sam Martino and Nick Bockwinkle. Harley Race thinks that I haven't lived up to the reputations of Sam Martino. This is what Harley Race says? Well, how dare you even bring up this cockamamie story when I've got to walk out and get in the ring with this man? Don't try to frustrate me, Bischoff, because I've lived up and beyond every reputation and expectation in this wrestling business since I first stepped in this ring 15 glorious years ago. Let me tell you something, Harley Race. I am the man that mangled San Martino. I'm the man that crippled up and put out a commission, Nick Bockwinkle. And you know what you are? Aside from being a fool that's going after that gold ring, that holy grail that you cannot possibly grab, you're going to be the third notch on this belt race. You're going to be the third notch. You're going to be the man. You're going to just get ready to kiss my Zabisco. If I start giving you match results from this taping, half of the wrestlers, you wouldn't even know who they are. 
But the fact that Jake the Milkman Millman wins the Battle Royal to give Larry's Legends the million-dollar prize for the AWA Team Challenge, that tells you the caliber of talent that they still had. It was it was sad. It was absolutely sad. But uh, AWA would meet its demise. And you know, it's funny. And you look back at how Vern handled Hulk Hogan. That was in 1983. We're 1990. I'm surprised they were able to survive for another seven years, to be honest with you. Continuing with 1990, <laughs> I tell you, man, I was so tempted to play a montage of every highlight and every promo that this person cut. But I think two minutes and 57 seconds of it is more than enough for all of you. Back in 1990, WCW did a storyline where a wrestler who was under a mask uh, was going to feud with Sting. The weird thing about it was the first encounter that they were going to have was actually going to be at a pay-per-view. You know, so you usually get attacked first, and then, you know, you see promos hyping it up. I want to beat you. I want to beat the fuck out of you, and blah, 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 and this, 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 and that, and da, 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 No, now we just get on the power hour for WCW that a wrestler under a mask named the Black Scorpion challenges Sting. Not only that, I think Sting was the champion at the time. So this masked wrestler is getting a title shot, hasn't had any matches, and uh, he's challenging Sting. The funny thing about it was all you would see is silhouettes. And if you don't know the history of the Black Scorpion, go online. There's some great websites that have recapped the Black Scorpion uh, the wrestler that first was under the mask turned out to be Ric Flair later on. You look at them side by side. I mean, the physiques were totally different. But what pissed off a lot of fans back in 90 was that in this promo, you know, he's teasing about 1986. Now, 1986, Sting was teaming up with the Ultimate Warrior. And when you listen to the promo at that time, a lot of buzz amongst wrestling fans. And look, there was no internet. There were no hotlines for the most part. You had 976, blah, 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 to get some match results. But you really only saw it through the wrestling magazines or you watched it on TV. But a lot of people, including yours truly, thought, could the Ultimate Warrior be coming in to WCW in 1990? And not only that, you listen to the promo is... he would have been a heel. And sure enough, obviously, the whole storyline would reveal later on that it was Ric Flair under the mask and blah, 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 blah. But I want to share with you the promo that aired this week in 1990 of The Black Scorpion. It's interesting. He sounds an awful lot like the Shockmaster. This week on the Wrestling Wrap-Up, we're going to be hearing some comments from the mysterious Black Scorpion, the man that this man, the World Heavyweight Champion Sting, has signed to defend his championship against live here on TBS on September 5th. Sting, do you know anything about this man? And if not, how are you preparing to wrestle him? Well, I have no idea, Bob, who this guy is, the Black Scorpion. I have no clue. No one's saying anything to me. I've seen this little bit right now. I want to see a little bit more here in a few minutes, and I want to give everybody out there the opportunity to see the same thing that I'm going to see for the first time. He is an unknown. How do I prepare for something like that? Well, (laughs) you just have to go for broke. If it's Ric Flair, if it's Arn Anderson, 
any of the other stars in the NWA, at least I have an idea on how to prepare for something like that. But this guy here, Bob, the Black Scorpion, I have no idea who he is, but I said on national TV on so many different occasions now that I would defend it against anybody worthy enough, obviously he must be. So I'm going to defend it. Maybe we can get an idea who he is, Sting. And to do that, fans, let's watch this. Yeah, let's watch it. Sting, are you listening? <laughs> of course you are. You're too much of a hero and a champion to refuse to hear this tape. didn't know it was Ole Anderson who was cutting those promos you know great memories wasn't all that great but uh, a lot of people including yours truly as I said before we really thought could it be that the ultimate warrior was coming into WCW 1991 Masahiro Chono beats KJ Muto in the final match to win the 1991 G1 Climax tournament why am I bringing up this match you know where I think the anniversary of that infamous moment with the public enemy taking on Terry Funk and Mick Foley in ECW, where Mick Foley told some fans to throw a couple of chairs in the ring, and then they flooded uh, the ring with chairs. And I remember it was Bob Ortiz, I think, on the mic, stop the chairs, stop the chairs. I mean, look, it is a huge, memorable moment in ECW. Well, let's go back a couple of years. This week in 1991 for this G1 Climax tournament, because these events, I guess, seem to go long, they came up with this idea to sell the fans pillows. This way they could sit on comfortable pillows and relax and enjoy the G1 Climax tournament. Their asses would be uh, nice and padded, and I guess they could take the pillows home. Well, what ended up happening was... If you remember the ECW moment with the chairs, obviously this was not violent, but still a mess that needed to be cleaned up. Earlier in the night, you had KJ Muto beat Vader to clinch you know, a shot in the finals, and the fans threw pillows all into the ring. Later on, when Chono won, they did it again. 
And after this event, they decided, you know what? We ain't selling fucking pillows anymore. There is footage of this online. If you watch it, it is funny. It'll give you flashbacks to ECW. Absolutely. 1992, we hyped up the promos. This week was the in-ring TV debut for Razor Ramon. Match, nothing noteworthy out of it, except for one thing, besides it being his first WWE televised match, WWF. I'm going to share with you the four-minute match in a moment, and then two tidbits that I think you'll get a kick out of. Here's the match from 1992. We're back with more WWF action. All right, Mr. Perfect, who started all of this? Did Randy Savage call you? Did he institute this alleged negotiation? Or was it you putting a bug in Randy Savage's ear? You're an awful nosy guy, aren't you, pal? From Miami, Florida. Well, take a look at this. Weighing 287 pounds, How about this? I've been waiting for this. Now we're going to find out whether or not Razor Ramon, look at all that coal, can back up that rather uh, haughty attitude of his. He certainly got the body to do it. Actually, I didn't think he was this large. He is a monster of a man, isn't he? Razor Ramon making his debut. You can bet that he wants to make an auspicious occasion out of this. Razor Ramon ready to lock up with his opponent, Paul Van Dam. Oh! Well, there we see uh, quite a display of strength on the part of Razor Ramon. All right, come on, let him up. This man knows America, the land of opportunity. Oh, wow! Did you hear that? Wow! They heard it up in the rafters. I like it already. Razor Ramon ripped to the buckle in. Oh, my. Well, I must say I'm impressed thus far. Razor Ramon taking care of business. Oh, my, right in the face. He told me if he would have been here three years ago by now, he'd be the World Wrestling Federation champion. He'd have his own hotel, his own golf course. He'd have everything he wanted. Well, all he wants is what he has coming to him, allegedly. Yeah. The world and everything in it. The words of Razor Ramon. What a great attitude that is. I like it. Razor Ramon with Vandell. Oh, wow, look at that. One hand. Well, thus far, Razor Ramon has been able to back up his comments made throughout the weeks. Look at the physique on this man. Kicking that garbage around the ring. You know I like that style. You like the humiliation. That's right. Look at Razor Ramon. At will, slapping his opponent. Knowing full well that the, all of the eyes of the WWF are on him right now as he makes his debut rustling in the squared circle. He wants some competition. That's what he wants. Bob Vandal being hoisted to the top rope. Razor Ramon now from behind. What's going to happen? Oh, no. From the oh, top. 
Number one, Paul Van Dale. Anybody know who Paul Van Dale is the father of? We've talked about it in the past. Well, Paul Van Dale, who wrestled Razor Ramon in his debut WWF match, Van Dale happens to be the father of Carmella. Tidbit number two, Razor Ramon, you know, came into the WWF with a bang. He just had his in-ring debut for the WWF on that same day that they aired his debut match on TV. Macho Man Randy Savage was already cutting promos about facing Razor Ramon for the heavyweight title. I think a lot of people forget that Razor Ramon was was not, you know, getting this type of a push right from the bat. Now, yeah, he wasn't heavyweight champion. I don't think any of us thought that Razor Ramon would be WWF champion at the time. I see, without a doubt, tag teams possible, although we didn't know at the time who we would team up with. But still, I think it's pretty cool because a lot of people may not realize the same episode of his in-ring debut for the WWF, Macho Man cut this promo on Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon, bottom line, you're not going to like to hear this, but I'm going to beat you on you because you're coming after the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. And obviously, all through your lifetime, you've been getting everything that you want. It stops now because you're knocking on the wrong door. Because what I want is to keep this World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. And I keep it as long as I can. And if I ever, 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 ever lose it, it's not going to be to a chump like you. Did you hear that, Razor Ramon? Tough guy, yeah. You just come on into the squared circle and show me how tough you are. Yeah, you talk so tough. I just want to know if you're the real deal. I want to know if you got the guts to take it to the macho man Randy Savage for the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. I know nothing about you, but what I do know is that you're a threat to the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt because somehow you got an opportunity to get it. Yeah, but you're not going to get it because I got something to say about it. I'm going to beat you, Razor. Wrapping up 1992, we had Johnny Hotbody beat Larry Winters to become the first ever ECW TV champion. Blah, but you know what? You gotta start somewhere, right? 1993, memorable match because of the outcome. Uh, We've talked about this match before. You know, it was a very entertaining match, don't get me wrong. But at this time, we have Ricky Steamboat, who was having a little bit of a feud against Lord Steven Regal. And matches in the past had ended with no winner and blah, 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 blah. So this time around this week in 93, they were going to have a no disqualification match in WCW. Ricky Steamboat versus Lord Steven Regal. Unfortunately for you Vince Russo haters out there, you can't blame this one on Russo. Remember, no DQ match. 
Here's how it ended. Demo with a wrist lock applied. Regal trying to break out of it, cannot, and he goes down. Now, there's no way for Regal to go but down the way as Steamboat had that wrist lock applied unless you want your wrist to be broken. Regal trying to get back to his feet. Steamboat stays away from him. Notice how Steamboat is just dancing out of the way of a possible takedown that time, and he gets right back to the hammerlock advantage. Yeah, Regal's trying to keep his feet out from under him. It was uh, excellent footwork on the part of Steamboat, if you want to call it that. Steamboat showing his wrestling skills. We've often known of his martial arts skills and, of course, his, his endurance, but showing that he can mad wrestle with one of the masters, Lord Steven Regal. And Regal caught in the corner now, and the referee warning them, but, of course, this is a no-disqualification match. Look at Regal trying to grapevine that leg from a standing position here. Oh, wow. He got the elbow right on the jaw, slipped it in, and... And is very disturbed that Randy Anderson put his hands on it. Don't touch the nobility. Don't touch it, you buy it. Forearm shots by Regal. Into the ropes. And he got the shoulder right to the midsection. And it really spilled Steamboat on the outside. Now Ricky Steamboat. Wind knocked out of it. In trouble. Look at the nobility here displayed by Lord Regal. What? He's not jumping outside the ring, throwing Steamboat into the rail, taking advantage of that no disqualification. He's standing there like a prince that he is, giving Steamboat a chance to get back in the ring. Now, I think that's royal. Trying to hook both arms, possibly for a butterfly suplex, but no, Steamboat trying to fight out of it. Still a lot left in Steamboat. We talked about his endurance, and he's going to have to give it all here. And again, Regal trying to hook his hands together. He gets some hooks. This has to be painful, Larry. Yeah, it's very painful, but there's a couple of combinations, things he could do from this position. We'll see what he does. There it is, the butterfly suplex over the top. Regal slow to make a cover, but finally does, too. Steamboat gets out of it in two. Wow, on target again. Those forearm shots, some of the best forearm blows you will find in this sport. And Steamboat goes down to his knees. Hey, I know Steamboat's got great endurance, but it looks to me like he's starting to fade. Picks him up for a torture rack type backbreaker over the shoulders. What Steamboat's got to do is release that grip. You can try. He's got it released. Steamboat coming out of it. Slips behind Lord Steven. Oh. And covers it one, two, Regal is out. Regal got out at two. Steamboat again. Regal falls on him. That was close. That was close. Two count again. And Regal chops Steamboat. It has really been more Steve Regal than Steamboat in this match overall. But Steamboat, we talked about the endurance, hooks him. Vertical suplex. And now Steamboat. Covers. One, two. That was close. I knew this would be a close match, but it's going on and on. I would give it uh, in favor of points to Lord Regal myself. Regal, who has two coats, Scorpio, the Clash, Steamboat, who will be going after the television championship, and Paul Orndorff. Steamboat up to the top. 
getting ready to take flight here. There he goes. There it is. And Sir William getting involved. And hey, hey. Ardor's not waiting for the clash. Where'd he come from? Graham Anderson's going to stop this match. This match is over, but the fight continues as Paul Orndorff tries to get a jump on the clash of the champion. Oh. Steamboat's hurt. It'll be he and Steamboat for the television championship. Wednesday, August 18th, but Steamboat may not be in any condition. He gets rolled back in. And a knee to the back. Boy, Arndor's going to make sure Steamboat never gets to the class. There will not be a winner in this match. Yeah, I know I kind of made it a little anticlimactic. You pretty much knew it would end in a DQ, which made no sense. Whatever. 1994, AAA had their Night of Champions event from Los Angeles, California. Match results. Madonna's boyfriend. Do you remember who that was? I mean, think about it now. Remember, imagine a wrestler coming out calling himself Rihanna's boyfriend or Beyonce's boyfriend. First of all, I think some spouses would get angry at that. But Madonna's boyfriend, that was none other than Luis Piccoli. God rest his soul. He beat Mondo Guerrero in a best two out of three falls tag team match. La Monstra and Magnificent Mimi over Lola Gonzalez and Marta Villalobos. Two falls to one. Great match. You really should go out of your way to see. Best two out of three falls. Another six-man tag match. Heavy metal, Volador and winners over La Parca, Mysterioso and Psychosis. Two falls to one. Another two out of three falls, six-man tag match. And look, these events were legendary for the six-man and the tag team matches. I should point that out. You had El Hijo del Santo Octagon and Rey Mysterio Jr. over Coco Amarillo, Coco Azul, and Coco Rojo. Uh, they won two falls to none. In the main event, best two out of three falls tag team match, Jake the Snake Roberts, Conan. They teamed up to beat Paraguayo and Vampiro kind of... Conadiense, I think I said that right, two falls to none, and a mask versus mask match, two out of three falls, Mascarita Sagrada over Espetrito, I always have a problem pronouncing his name, anyone by DQ to, to end it all, two falls to one, 1996, now I'm just preparing everyone, WCW this week had their Hogwild slash Roadwild pay-per-views, uh, we will highlight one match, because it was a big deal at the time, um, you know, when we get to that year. I know we look back on it and say it was god-awful, and I agree. I did not like, you know, the, one of the participants being in the match. If he would have strictly fought Eric Bischoff, I think it would have been accepted a lot better. Because remember, you know what, Let's we'll, let, when we get to that event in a moment, then I'll give my comments and I'll let you hear some highlights from the match. But first, 1996 Hogwild from Sturgis, South Dakota. You had uh, not only the pay-per-view, but you had quite a few matches taped for WCW Saturday night. So those who were there live, they got a boatload of matches. Public Enemy over Mike Enos and Dick Slater. Conan over Chavo Guerrero Jr. The Nasty Boys over High Voltage. Alex Wright beats Bobby Eaton. Meng, Kevin Sullivan, and the Barbarian over Jim Powers, Joe Gomez, and Mark Starr. David Taylor over Mr. JL. 
The Renegade loses to Diamond Dallas Page. Arn Anderson over Hugh Morris. And then we have the pay-per-view. Rey Mysterio Jr. over the ultimate dragon to retain the Cruiserweight title. Scott Norton over Ice Train. Medusa over Bull Nakano. And as a result, Medusa was allowed to destroy Bull Nakano's motorcycle. Uh, you'd think Sturgis motorcycles. I don't know if you would want to destroy any motorcycle, but they got away with it. I mean, as a babyface. Chris Benoit over Dean Malenko. Harlem Heat over the Steiners to retain the WCW tag titles. For the United States title, Ric Flair retains, defeating Eddie Guerrero. The Outsiders over Sting and Lex Luger. In the main event, Hollywood Hulk Hogan beats the Giant to win the WCW Heavyweight title. After the match was over, the booty man, Ed Leslie, you know, came up with Hogan in 77. Good friends, close friends, arguably best friends. Wanted to join the NWO. The NWO would turn on the booty man, and that would write him off TV until he returned in uh, February 98 as the disciple. 1997, Road Wild from Sturgis. Harlem Heat over Vicious and Delicious. Do you remember who they were? Vicious and Delicious were Scott Norton and Buff Bagwell. Mexican Deathmatch, Conan over Rey Mysterio Jr. Chris Benoit and Steve Mongo McMichael, they defeat Dean Malenko and Jeff Jarrett in uh, an elimination tag match. Steve Mongo McMichael over Jeff Jarrett. Steve Mongo McMichael over Dean Malenko. Alex Wright over Chris Jericho to retain the Cruiserweight title. Ric Flair over six. Kurt Hennig over Diamond Dallas Page. Randy Savage loses to the Giant. The Steiners defeat the Outsiders, uh, however, by DQ. So the WCW tag titles, uh, they would not factor in the decision. And the main event, Hollywood Hulk Hogan over Lex Luger to win the WCW heavyweight title. Yes, Lex Luger's heavyweight title reign, which we just celebrated, I think last week. Yeah, it would only last a couple of days. Still, memorable. 1997. Big week for Monday Night Raw. You may not have felt it at that time, but it was a big deal. First off, let's talk about the Nation of Domination. It was this week in 1997 that the Nation of Domination would gain a new member, and I can't wait to play his promo next week on the next episode because some people arguably will, will say that promo that aired a week after he debuted for the Nation of Domination was the birth of The Rock. I want to ask you, you think Ahmed Johnson is watching right now? Have you yes, guys heard from him? I think there's no doubt he is. And Ahmed re-injured, ladies and gentlemen, his knee, unable to be here tonight. Oh, no! Ahmed may never be the same. Ahmed Johnson may never be back at 100%. And the nation is down one man when you consider this a single competition. But we have seen what has happened in the past. And if all, you know what, breaks loose, oh. then the nation would be in trouble. They only have three members, JR. Yeah, they'll be a man short. And uh, no doubt that Farouk's somewhere down the line. I'm sure we're looking to recruit another member. But be that as it may, right now, we've got a, a pretty physical battle here. With oh. And down goes Farouk, the former Florida State Seminole, driven face first into the canvas. And you can bet the Bariquas are watching this matchup as well. The Bariquas coming into their own as well. Both, look at the, oh my goodness. Uh -oh. The official knocks silly on that one. Well, Jack Doan, the referee, knocked down. Maybe knocked out. And a cover here, but there's no one there to count. Good. It's unfortunate. Wait a minute. There's Rocky Maivia. There's The Rock. Great to see The Rock back. What's he doing in the ring? 
Check it on the referee, make sure he's okay. Yeah. Look at this! What? Wait a minute. Tell me. Now that... What? Rocky, come on! Rocky, my fear, coming out of the crowd. The blue chipper comes out of the crowd. Rocky Maivia's rehabilitation for his knee injury has been complete. And what is going on here? His mom and daddy watching in Tampa, they gotta be sitting at home in disbelief. What? Whoa! I think we have just seen a new member of the nation. I can't believe this. This ain't right. Stay with us, ladies and gentlemen. Continuing with the same episode, early in the night, Shawn Michaels, who was making his return to the ring, talked about having an insurance policy. By the end of the night, we would learn what that insurance policy would be. Anybody that doesn't remember that time, you might immediately think, Sid Vicious. Oh, no, it wasn't. So first, let's talk about the beginning of the night, Shawn Michaels telling everyone he has an insurance policy. And by the way, if you hear at the beginning about the Sean is gay chance, if that's what you think you're hearing in the background, you are absolutely correct. Mankind, you... What are they saying, McMahon? What? I don't think it's complimentary. Why don't you ask your sister and your mama how gay Sean is? Mankind, I'll see you in a few. Undertaker, I want to invite you, out of the goodness of my heart, to watch me smack around the guy that beat you up, i.e., he beat you. I beat him. I can beat you. Now, let's move on. Scroll, scroll, scroll. The World Wrestling Federation and its officials have now put Shawn Michaels, HBK, the initial outlaw of the World Wrestling Federation, on their private hit list. And they've got their new commissioner, Sergeant Slaughter, calling the shots. Well, Slaughter, if you think that you are going to stick that big, huge, enormous chin in my business, you got another thing coming because nobody steals my spotlight. I want it all. And I know that's right. Wait a minute. Uh, here comes uh, yeah. the new commissioner of the World Wrestling Federation. He's not needed out here now, man. What an impact last week, Commissioner Slaughter. Gonna come out here and throw his chin around. And Shawn Michaels taking exception to some of the comments about ringside. And now... Here comes Commissioner Slaughter. 
I'm not gonna do any chin-ups for you, so you also <laughs> forget. You know, Shawn Michaels, I've been back listening to what you had to say. And you're right. The last thing you want tonight is to have Commissioner Slaughter come out here and put this big jaw in your business. But I am. I am going to put my jaw in your business. You think my actions as the Commissioner of the World Wrestling Federation make me want to be in the spotlight? Your spotlight? John Michaels, I've been in so many spotlights, you wouldn't know how to count how many there were. But listen up, because I want to say this loud and clear, I only want to say it once, because I don't like to repeat myself. If you think that Sergeant Slaughter, the Commission of the World Wrestling Federation, is here to play games, you're wrong. Anything I do, Anything I say, any decisions I make are for the betterment, strictly for the World Wrestling Federation, not Shawn Michaels. And as far as your match tonight with mankind, I think it's time for you to put up, I think it's time for you to shut up, and I think it's time for you to do something about it. Have I made myself clear? Like a windshield with no windshield wipers, you are crystal clear, Commissioner Gordon. Now, Slaughter, whatever your name is, Chin Boy, nobody talks to the heartbreak kid that way, and you want me to do something about it? Oh, oh, you. You better believe I'm going to do something about it. I know all of you are after me, so, like always, I'm thinking ahead. You see where I'm going? And the heartbreak kid, once again, feels that his life is in danger, thus requiring a small, well, maybe not so small, a big insurance policy. And I think, as you know by my past, I deliver better than the mailman and sure as hell a lot better than UPS. So Slaughter, don't you worry about it. I got an insurance policy and tonight, mankind, there is going to be some sweet chin music, no pun intended Sarge, in the air tonight. And there isn't anything anybody can do about it. And that's enormous. John Michaels, he is a brash young man, there's no doubt about that. He is, let's face it, an arrogant young man. Damn it, man, and you hate it, don't you? You can't stand it because he's telling it like it is. No, he's a tremendous athlete, and I'm very much looking forward to the matchup with mankind. Apparently, Shawn Michaels is bringing an insurance policy with him. Now, did some people chant it because he had appeared in Playgirl? Not nude, but in Playgirl? I don't know. But uh, still, they chanted at that time to get under his skin. I don't think the people, look, I'm not defending him. I don't know who was chanting it. 
think, you know, as I've said in the past, some people chanted gay back then, not necessarily because they hated gays, but that was their idea of really angering a heterosexual. Like, how do you piss off a really conceited heterosexual back then? A lot of people's mindset is, is to make them appear that they don't like women. I know as nuts as that sounds today, you know, it sounded pretty logical back then. But anyway, let's get back to the show. 1997, we now know that Shawn Michaels is going to have an insurance policy. Later on in that night, we would learn who that insurance policy would be. And look, we didn't get the actual name of the group until October, but some people will say that this week in 97 was the beginning of Degeneration X. The first time Shawn Michaels has been in action in some time. Watch the bang bang by mankind who gets back in the ring and breaks the referee's ten count. Look out! Look out here. Mankind ran right into the steel steps. Let's take another look. Watch Sean Michaels death defying. It's a suicide leap. Michaels hadn't missed a Lexus been off. That's nothing but a fist fight. And where's the insurance policy? Maybe Michael thinks he doesn't need an insurance policy. Can you hear me? Yep. We hear you. Is the king all right? It's ringing out. Position has turned into a hell of a war zone. All right. Really is. Thank I you. Think Can you hear me? Sean Michaels with the elbow. I need some insurance. Sean but Michaels. Nobody delivers that elbow off the top like Sean Michaels. Whether you love him or you hate him. And here comes some sweet tin music. The band is tuning up. And so, Michael's missing. This time it's in there for good. Oh, to the outside. Not again. Mankind and Michael's back at it again. Ladies and gentlemen, at least we think we are. If we're still on the air, Shawn Michaels, and there you see action on the left side of your screen earlier on. When we're in out position, hopefully the equipment is still working. Shawn Michaels, Michaels has taken the, that mask right off of mankind, and they have just been pummeling each other. I mean, it's like it's like a mind games all over again. Last September in Philadelphia, Shawn Michaels showed the world just how physically he could, physically tough he really is. 
and uh, we're seeing a, a reprise of that. And ladies and gentlemen, we're told that The Undertaker earlier was invited to watch this. Oh! This match, you can bet, he's glued to the monitor of justice. We are as well. And what I'm trying to figure is Helmsley in China, the insurance policy. Hunter Hearst Helmsley in China, out about ringside. That may be Shawn Michaels' insurance policy, although that was it, whom we thought it might have been earlier when we saw the shot of Michaels. Yeah, but he's got the sleeper. We know this is it. Helmsley in China got a big issue still to settle with mankind, and, or dude love for yeah. that matter. And that could very well be. Everyone remembers that cage match from SummerSlam. And Michaels is cut. His facial area, I believe, is cut. He's also cut in, the, uh, in his arm. His right arm is cut. And these two, ladies and gentlemen, have been giving it their all, as you'll only find in the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, oh. You're not going to find top caliber superstars giving it their all anywhere else other than this. And these two men have come here to settle a score tonight. Let's go back. I think we have a replay. Oh, a cover. What? We have no, and a kick out. On the left side of your screen, Michaels, look at this. A death-defying maneuver by Shawn Michaels. That's how he died by Shawn Michaels. That's how he got the cut arm. And now look at Mankind. Mankind back up. Mankind with momentum now. Mankind sending Michaels to the buckle. Mankind and Shawn Michaels right back on top of it. What a matchup this is here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, live. Oh. And Shawn Michaels will face The Undertaker. And if there was any doubt as to the mental or physical toughness of Shawn Michaels, I don't think we can doubt it anymore. Well, absolutely not. Shawn Michaels is not going to be intimidated, apparently, by The Undertaker, the way, at least for the way Shawn is competing here with Mankind. Mankind holds more victories over The Undertaker than any other WWF superstar yeah. in history. And Michaels has yet to ever face The Undertaker. The bottom line is that The Undertaker is still the man. And until somebody can legitimately beat the man, The Undertaker is still the man. And I think he'll prove it at ground zero. Oh. Now, you want to fight? Yeah, we got to fight. We may see a little tactic stack here from me. Michael's in trouble. Oh, mankind is just lowering the boom. Look at this. And this mankind. is nasty. Mankind, here it comes. Oh, no. Fuck out of body. The knee right to the face of Shawn Michaels and the handsome uh, and controversial youngster from San Antonio. And the ladies wait a minute. are going to look. 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 look at the ramp. Hey, wait a minute. It's Rick Rude.
WWF, at least for the time being, with Shawn Michaels. Also in 1997, for the USWA, Dutch Mantel beats Jerry Lawler to win the heavyweight title. The reason why I bring it up, he would be uh, the USWA's final heavyweight champion because in November of that year, USWA would fold. And wrapping up 1997, look, I always wanted to play this match on these shows. I tried to do it last year. It's very tough because it's such a visual. And Joey Styles, many times you could hear he's in awe. It's just one of the most violent matches that I have ever seen. You know, as far as, look, I've seen crazy shit in FMW and other promotions, but being a lifelong ECW fan to see how nuts this match became. Yeah, it was a little bit uncomfortable, especially at the end when Bill Alfonso has wire cutters and he's snipping fucking barbed wire that's stuck to the head of Terry Funk and you hear someone, look, my eye! I think Sabu was yelling, my eye, my eye! It was disgusting. And look, everybody will always remember this match because of Born to be Wired. It was the most extreme match that ECW had ever done. And uh, at one point during the match... Sabu slices his bicep open. You could see fucking tendon. I mean, he literally tries to like tape it up. And look, I did a lot of work for XPW when they were running the Northeast. You know, not as much as obviously everybody else was killing themselves, but I was doing uh, timekeeping for all the events in ECW arena. And I was within 10 feet of Terry Funk slicing his arm open which actually he did to himself inadvertently outside because of a bottle. And that was disgusting. But Sabu slicing his arm open in this match was just absolutely insane. If you've never seen the match and you don't mind a little bit of blood and big time violence, go out of your way. Because one of the, I think possibly the first match I ever showed my girlfriend about ECW was this match. But anyway, the match results from that night, Little Guido over Pablo Marquez, a.k.a. El Puerto Riqueño. Mikey Whipwreck over Luis Piccoli. Spike Dudley over Bam Bam Bigelow. Chris Candido over Chris Chetty. Shane Douglas over Lance Storm. Taz retains the ECW TV title, defeating Al Snow. The Dudleys over Axel Rotten, Balls Mahoney, and Hack Myers. Rob Van Dam over Tommy Dreamer. And the main event, Sabu over Terry Funk in a barbed wire match to win the ECW heavyweight title. A lot of people forget that Sabu won the belt that night. Um, just violent. Absolutely violent. Joey Styles appeared on Steve Austin's podcast. And Joey Styles, uh, you listen to his words, although it's only like a minute or two, uh, very uncomfortable of how he felt about that match. What's the most violent thing? And you saw a lot of violence, Joey. What is the most violent thing you saw in an ECW ring? I got a little queasy watching Born to be Wired between Terry Funk and Sabu. Uh, no rope, barbed wire match. You know, because ECW, to set themselves apart at first, before we were getting great wrestlers, um, great in-ring performers, we were doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, the deathmatch stuff from Japan. And we had Cactus Jack and Terry Funk and Sabu. They did a no rope, barbed wire match. They wound up taking most of the barbed wire off of the turnbuckles. And the end of the match was supposed to be Sabu pinning Terry Funk, but because they were so entwined with each other and barbed wire, that Terry Funk's shoulders could not possibly lay flat on the mat. So thank heaven the referee 
um, made the call to just count the three count. And if you go back and look, there is a piece of barbed wire at the end of this big giant ball that is about three inches from poking Terry Funk in the eye. Mm. And, you know, and, and these are two guys who don't slow up, and, and we didn't cut the barbs off the barbed wire or use, you know, rubber barbed wire, which they do sell for movies and such. It was disgusting in person. Yeah. And then when I went to call it in the studio, it was more disgusting to have to watch and call. I don't know what possesses people to do stuff like that. You must really love what you're doing, because I know we weren't paying people a lot of money. But it, it was, it's unsettling. That, that kind of violence is unsettling and unnecessary. 1998, WCW, Road Wild from Sturgis. All right, with that match that I was talking about earlier, it happened on this event. First, the other match results, Meng over the Barbarian. Public Enemy over Disco Inferno and Alex Wright. Saturn defeats Raven and Chris Canyon in a Raven Rules triangle match. Rey Mysterio Jr. over Cicosis. Stevie Ray over Chavo Guerrero Jr. to retain the TV title. Steve Mongo McMichael over Brian Adams. Juventud Guerrero over Chris Jericho to win the Cruiserweight title. Dean Malenko was the special guest referee. We had an NWO versus Goldberg Battle Royal, and Bill Goldberg would win it. He actually defeated the NWO Sting, Scott Norton, Kevin Nash, Lex Luger, Conan, Kurt Hennig, Scott Hall, and the Giant. For some reason, Goldberg's WCW Heavyweight title was not on the line, but, you know, look, you got to go back to the storyline to understand the whole feud and the match. But the main event, and look, this was getting big-time publicity for WCW. It was all over TV. It was all over the newspapers. Yes, you go back and you look at a lot of newspaper clippings. A lot of places made fun of it. Not all, though. Got WCW a hell of a lot of press. Again, I would have had no problem with this match going down if Jay Leno would have just interacted with Eric Bischoff. I always go back to the tag match where Mean Gene Oakland teamed up with Hulk Hogan in early uh, years of WWF when Hogan was there as a babyface and the champion. You know, it was a novelty match. It was comedy. Remember, we had a whole bunch of training videos with Hogan and Mean Gene Oakland. And they would have the match, but they utilized Mean Gene the right way. To see Jay Leno, Jay, did I say Leno? Leno putting an armbar at Hogan and Hogan selling it like he's crippled was just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, should not have gotten to that point. I don't know why it went to that point. Look, Jay Leno got ripped apart for this match, but again, it got a lot of TV exposure. And what a lot of people don't know is that early in the day, Jay Leno was visiting a lot of uh, people uh, who were in the hospital. Uh, I don't know all the stories as far as who was in the hospital and why, but I know that he was visiting some sick people in the hospital. That doesn't get publicized, obviously, but Jay Leno, you know, look, uh, he tried and he wasn't bad. But, again, you know, just to see Hogan selling for Jay Leno was just a little bit much. But if you've never seen a match and you want to relive not only what went down, but the finish. Because, remember, the match ended up being decided because of interference from a non another non-wrestler. Remember who that was? There you go. Come here, brother. Little high fives here from Eubanks. You got involved in... Did exactly what we predicted the disciple would do. Now he's almost challenging the disciple to come over and get involved as well. Yeah, you. Shine that ball head. Ball head. 
Beach has tried to stay in his quarter. And Leno starting the chance again with the fans here. Leno leads the cheers from the ring apron. They went to hook up again, but Hogan one step ahead. Into the midsection, kicked him in the gut. Rakes him right at the at the turnbuckle with Bischoff. Look at Bischoff jawing all the time. Never shuts his mouth and keeps on talking, talking, talking. All he does is keep beating those guns, beating those guns back and forth, talking, talking, talking. Shut up. In the corner still, choke hold here applied. Tag is made. Looks like I hate is a big man. Double team Bischoff gets exchange in. Leno wants it. Let him in. Let him go. Swanson Hogan. He's going for Hogan. Yeah, he wants Bischoff is what he wants. As much as he thought and he was tired of the double team. And here comes Bischoff. Look, look at the balance that Bischoff lays those kicks in with, guys. Oh, just walked right into a big boot from DDP. But he make that tag. Here it comes. That's what the fans want to see. Bischoff tags in Hogan. He tagged in Hogan. We're going to see Leno against Hogan now. Is that? Well, we didn't expect that. We thought he'd get his blows in against Bischoff, but Bischoff quickly cowered away from Jay Leno. Tag Dallas now. Come on, Leno. Hey, Leno wants in there, guys. I don't think he wants to tag. Oh, look at Garrity hit him on the chin. I can do it from here. Quite right a target. Please. Leno is willing to get in against one of the all-time greats in wrestling, and this is quite a story in itself. First time in the wrestling ring, the first time he'll ever hook up, and he's going to hook up against the legendary Hollywood Hogan. Oh, is he? How about that quickness exhibited by Jay Leno? And good agility, too. Swatted at Bischoff. This guy's played sports. He's very agile, there's no question. Daring him again. Oh, we're enjoying this, fans, and we hope you are as well. And what a situation for Hogan to be involved with here against Jay Leno. You know he doesn't want to be embarrassed. Leno moves out of the way again and takes it, Paige. Smart move. You're not kidding, it was. Paige comes in. I'd like to manage Leno. Into the eyes goes Hollywood Hogan, and that stops DDP short. Right hand into the head. Leno has shown us something. I mean, he, he, he's got guts. He's got guts, and he's, he's using the, the things that have made him a, a major star in the entertainment industry, and that is his mouth. Enticing Hogan in, moving away, showing us the quickness. Mostly been DDP and Hogan, and now Paige battling back. Shoulder drives in. Down on the arm once again goes DDP. Driving Hogan down, straddling now. Break an arm that way. Wait a second, tag again. Now Hogan's down, and Jay Leno, full arm dragon twist. Another one. He drags Hogan to the mat. Oh, you gotta love it. Leno's got Hollywood on his knees. And look at this, look at the leverage, pushing on the elbow. Obviously, the training with DDP paid off. Yeah, but there's got to be an aptitude from the student, too. Uh-oh. Handful of hair. 
Leno is in trouble. I don't care how much training you've had, his body isn't made to take a move like that. You're not kidding. In the corner, no place to, no place to, he moved out of the way again. Leno showing it. Once again, the full arm dragon twist, using elementary basic wrestling holds and being very effective. Well, that's probably what Dallas taught him. If you're in trouble, grab a hold of something. That's exactly right, Brantz. Good call. Well, Are Leno, you kidding? <laughs> Leno's in a, again? All right, here he comes. Haven't in there twice, pal. The double team. And a double close line. Leno makes a cover one, two. And he got a two cap. Oh, my. And tags. How about that? A two count from Jay Leno on Hollywood Hogan. Eubanks grabs a chair away from Hogan. Nails Hogan with a chair. Page rolls him back in. Kevin Eubanks has been a major factor on the outside. Forearm shots by DDP. Into the rock. Oh, Bishop got the foot on top of the head. Head Bishop goes down. Page goes down when he turned around. Hogan cleaned his clock. Disciples out there. Goes Elizabeth. Eubanks went over towards Bischoff, but thought better of it when he saw the disciple turn the corner. Page. How about a page? This is a real important point in this match, guys. Page gets in trouble to where he has nowhere else to turn. Now remember, he still must turn to a guy very inexperienced in the ring. That's why the pressure is all on the shoulders of Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, what impact in the corner. That clothesline delivered by Hogan. I bet Joe Leno doesn't want in there now. Right now, Hogan's in charge. Bischoff comes in at a, a basic Bischoff opportune time. Into the side of the head, driving the knuckles into DDP. If they can take Diamond Dallas Page out, I can tell you right now, for as much as he's shown us already tonight, Jay Leno will really be up against the wall. Oh, Bischoff. Fast hands on Bischoff. You're not kidding. Look at this. Fans, I'm going to be honest, I'm very impressed. Great rapid flyer, fire combination blows by Eric Bischoff that time. Shouldn't have turned his back on DDP. The master of the second win, DDP. Hogan was handed something by the disciple. He's got it in his hands. Something taped up. It's an illegal object. Oh. Down goes Page. Page had no idea. He just walked right into that right hand loaded by something. Bischoff on top. And the referee is arguing with the disciple who says, hey, turn around. One, two. Page got away. The time it took for the referee to get back to make the count was all DDP needed. Hogan gets the exchange in. What happened to that illegal object? Did he tuck it down in his boots? I think he's got it in his uh, weightlifting belt there. He may have. As Kevin Eubanks walks around at ringside, Page. Well, Leno trying to distract Hogan. He wants in, guys. He certainly does. He, he will not, he's not back down at all. Uh -oh. But his partner is in grave trouble here. Bischoff is in, or 
Megan Leno is in, his fish off holds on. And Hogan's got that fist loaded again. He sure does. Throws it outside, the disciple touched it in his, in his vest. Meanwhile, in the corner at the feet of Eric Bischoff, a winded, beaten, but still determined Diamond Dallas Page. In to the ropes. There's the big foot. Now you know what's next. Usually likes to drop that big leg. The big leg drop. It's classic Hogan wrestling, but DDP is pulling and scraping. Kevin Eubanks encouraging DDP to make a tag, and so is Leno. Or at least to get back up. Oh yeah, there's no quitting the people's champion. What a clothesline delivered by Page. I would say it, Page has to make that tag, but I don't know who. There's only one tag to make, guys, and he's gotta make it. It's scary, but Leno's doing a great job in there. Hogan crawling to make that tag to Mr. E. Bischoff gets the tag in. And the tag to Jay Leno. Out goes DDP. And now. Is it the Tonight Show versus? Nightcap. Nightcap. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Oh, Leno went to the hair and got poked in the eyes by Bischoff. Short explosive, explosive oh, punch. Oh, you want it right there? He's going to put him in the turnbuckle. Again. I love it. Pillar to post. Hogan saying no, not again. Bischoff trying to fight him off. Oh, no. He's the other turnbuckle. Look at Leno, bring on Goldberg. Down goes Bischoff in a heap, he's in trouble. Watch out from behind, watch out from behind, it's Hogan. Oh, Leno, Jay Leno in a tough spot. Oh, he moves. The quickness of Leno, believe it or not. Clothesline sends Hogan over the top. Eubanks in. Eubanks is in, the disciple. He's signaling the diamond cutter. He's going to the diamond cutter. Can he do it? Yes, he can. Yes. Put a diamond cutter on Bischoff. Leno's he put gone. it on Bischoff. Leno's going to make a cover. One, One two, two, three. Jay Leno wins it. Jay Leno wins it. He's of Jay Leno. How about the teamwork? What a moment. They got to embarrass her Hogan. Oh, Hogan must be right now, along with Eric Bischoff. They're not going to be happy campers, gentlemen. Jay Leno showed us a lot, guys. Yeah. His quickness, the blows were pretty darn good. His guts. His guts, his determination. And, of course, on the outside, Kevin Eubanks as well was spectacular. This was a big win. Oh, no.
a minute. Leno and Eubanks decked by Hollywood Hogan. Oh, what a cheap shot. Oh, Hogan nails Leno. 1999. God, there are some weeks during the Monday Night Wars that you were just so happy to be not only a wrestling fan, but a wrestling fan who channel surfed. Because this week in 99 was fucking awesome. Was it the best week during the Monday Night Wars? I don't know. Look, there are moments that we'll always remember. Mankind winning the heavyweight title. You know, spoilers given away. The reason why I'm not sure if I actually put that week as my favorite during the Monday Night Wars was because what was on Nitro at the time, I don't think I was all that interested in. I just wanted to see Foley win the title. But when you talk about channel surfing and not only seeing great shit on Raw, but great shit on Nitro, this might be my favorite week of the entire Monday Night Wars. And if you think that I'm exaggerating, when you listen to what you hear on Nitro, I think people will be surprisingly shocked as how over somebody was during a match. I think a lot of people don't even pay attention to it because of what went down on Raw. Now, three moments that we're going to look back and celebrate this week in 99. I'm going to give you the first one. Look, you early in the night on Raw, we had Kane and X-Pac defeat the APA, the Acolytes, to win the WWF tag titles. Now, yeah, there was a lot of tag title changes at the time, but this was the first time that Kane actually spoke without using that, you know, that tool that you use, the voice box or whatever, when you have, you know, remember the whole thing with Kane? Well, this was the first time that he would actually talk without that, thanks to X-Pac. And do you remember what Kane's first words were without using that voice box assistance? Here you go. And now the the acolyte. This is what you get, X-Pac, for trying to use Shane McMahon's Bronco Buster. Trying to put him away. And the X-Factor! The X-Factor! X-Pac hit the X-Factor! Yes! We got the tag champions! X-Pac and Kane have done it! Wait Are you... Let's hear it without this thing. Come on! I can't believe this. Kane's got two words for us. Fuck it. Kane speaking his first words, and they are memorable ones. Now, I know I should put this as the second part of. 
my two favorite moments from that night, but I'm going to use it first because it's such a huge, memorable moment. I'm sure you have seen it a thousand times. Still to this day, my favorite moment in the history of Monday Night Raw, and I've watched Raw since episode one. I might have missed a live episode here and there, maybe 10 times in my entire life, but I've always watched replays later on. I've never missed an episode of Monday Night Raw, but this by far is my favorite moment in the history of Raw. Basically, we had The Rock come out, cut a promo, and he would be interrupted by someone. The rest is history. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Well, I'll tell you, The the Rock, I don't know what he has on his mind here, but uh, he is is dressed for Battle King. He is the, the great one, the people's champion. I'll tell you what, it has been an unbelievable day, an unbelievable night. It's MTV week. WWF week on MTV, I should say. As we head into SummerSlam in 13 days. But it's going to be a long week on MTV, isn't it? Yep. Go your own. The Rock hammered earlier by the Big Show. And- Big Show. The Rock says, seeing as that jabroni you call a partner, The Undertaker is booked tonight for a match. That pretty much leaves you free. So The Rock says, if you've got any fortitude in them little bitty things you call balls. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Very personal here. That's what this is about. Then tonight, in front of all The Rock's fans, you will go one-on-one with the great one. Laying down a challenge to the big show tonight. And go on and check your big fat ass directly into the SmackDown Hotel. Big show's gonna need a big king-sized bed, isn't he? <laughs> wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Is that Millennium Clock? It's, it's the Millennium Tower. Ten. Nine. Two. Countdown. Six. Two. Millennium. Four. We're counting down. Three. Here. Two. We're counting it down. What? What?
him for the World Wrestling Federation. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I am Chris Jericho, your, your new hero, your party host, and most importantly, the most charismatic showman to ever enter your living rooms via a television screen. And for those of you who do know me, well, all hail the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller! You got a nice haircut, I can say that! Now when you think of the new millennium, you think of an event so gigantic that it changes the course of history. You think of a dawning of a new era. In this case, the dawning of a new era in the WWF. The Rock is not impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Jericho's got a lot and of a new guts. era is what this once proud and profitable company sorely needs. What was once a captivating, trend-setting program has now deteriorated into a cliched, let's be honest, boring snooze fest that is in dire need of a knight in shining armor. Oh, he's talking about you and now, that's JR. why I'm here. Chris Jericho has come to save the WWF. Oh, from what? Well, you're gonna get your pink slip. Now let's go over the facts. Television ratings, downward spiral. Who's he Pay-per-view buy rates, plummeting. Mainstream acceptance, non-existent. And reactions of the live crowds, complete and utter silence. And I know why you're silent. You're silent because you're embarrassed to be here. What? And quite honestly, I'm embarrassed for you. And the reason why you're embarrassed is because of the steady stream of uninteresting, untalented, mediocre sports entertainers who you're forced to cheer for and care for. No wonder you're not cheering. You could care less about every single idiot in that dressing room. And especially this idiot in the center of the ring. A rock is going to explode, King, any minute. You people have been led to believe that mediocrity is excellence. Uh-uh. Jericho is excellence. He's got a lot of guts to interrupt the rock. And now, for the first time in WWF history, you have a man who can entertain you. You have a man who is good enough for you. You have a man who can make you jump up off your chairs, raise your filthy fat little hands in the air, and scream, go Jericho, go! Go Jericho, go! Go Jericho, go! Thank you. The new millennium has arrived in the WWF. And now that the Y2J problem is here, this company from the front office idiots to all the amateurs in the dressing room, including this one, 
to everybody watching tonight will never ever be the same again. Y2J, did he say Y2J? Yeah, Let the rock is dumbfounded. He's an arrogant young man. <laughs> After three boring minutes, The Rock says, Know your role and shut your mouth! I second that. How dare you, little jabroni, come on The Rock show and not even have the class to introduce yourself? What is your name? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. Oh no! Got gotcha. you. Oh. That one. The Rock says you talk about your Y2J plan. Well, The Rock has a little plan of his own, and it's called the KY Jelly Plan. Oh no! Which? <laughs> you know what that is, Jr. Yeah. You do. Which means The Rock is gonna lube his size 13 boot real good, turn that some bitch sideways, oh. and stick it straight up. You can't do that. that night for raw a six point fucking four awesome rating now nitro would only score a 3.1 that night but they had a main event that went down that i enjoyed is it extremely memorable no because i think a lot of people out there will be surprised at what they hear it was a six-man tag match rick steiner kevin nash and sid vicious taking on Sting, Goldberg, and at the time they were using Megadeth's Crush Him theme. Look, the song wasn't bad, but I just never got used to seeing Goldberg come out to that music. But they also teamed up with Hulk Hogan. Now, Hulk Hogan, up until this point, was NWO, black and white. This night would be the first time that he would return to the red and yellow and you could obviously tell right away when you hear his WCW uh, red and yellow yellow theme, I guess you could call it not the NWO Hollywood Hulk Hogan theme, not Jimi Hendrix or anything. But look, when Hogan came to WWE in what, 2002, 2003, whatever it was, 
you know, he was insanely over. They had to put the heavyweight title on him. I know a lot of, you know, hardcore people were really, really against Hogan being heavyweight champion in WWE by that point. But everybody remembers the unbelievable Hogan champs that WWE fans gave him when he came back. And even, you know, in the latter years when he did the Mr. America thing and everything else, I mean, he would get two, three minute, you know, standing ovation chants from the fans. He was beloved. I honestly feel in the history of Hulk Hogan being on WCW television, I think this is the loudest fucking Hogan pop he had ever received from WCW fans. Just listen to this match. You know, it doesn't run all that long. The main event runs, I think, with the intro music from the three participants on Team Hogan. What, 12, 13 minutes? Just listen to the fans. And, it, you know, the audio, it's, what I love about it, it focuses you to listen and not watch. Just check out this match. Very entertaining. This week also from 1999. They are standing in the aisleways. They're standing along the back row. Anywhere. Concession workers are coming out. People around the merchandise stands are trying to find a spot to watch this one. And the very best seat in the entire world is the one that you have at home.
this is going to be a collision of that big proportion. Not only so much on the line, we talk about being in the main event on WCW Monday Nitro. Brain? I'm just watching the signers down here on the floor.
gets on the yellow, don't he? The trunks, the boots, the ovation from the people. He's different. He is different. Yeah, it's like Port Kent going into a fumble and coming out. Super Port Hogan. He is unstoppable. He's got them all.
Again, what an awesome time to be a wrestling fan in 1999. Wow, just awesome. And what's cool is this week, that's not the only time you get to hear The Rock and Chris Jericho on the mic. And this is not the only time you get Hogan in a match because we're about to tackle that as well. 2001, this week on Monday Night Raw, the, the Rock makes his return to the ring since WrestleMania 17. We also had um, on SmackDown... This would be the last episode of the Ovaltron. Now, they would debut this new SmackDown set featuring The Fist, which I know a lot of you to this day, it's your favorite SmackDown stage set of all time. But they actually, this was uh, the week that they, you know, finished up with that set. And you remember how they actually changed it? Rhino would gore Chris Jericho through the mini Ovaltron. So to like literally destroy the set next week, they did beat a fist and the rest is history. But we're going to focus on a memorable promo exchange that happened this week in 01. Now, it was only a week or two ago that we talked about the Rock and Booker T finally having interaction. WCW's out of business only a couple of months. The Rock and Booker T, you know, having some fun on the mic. Well, it would continue this week. The Rock, Chris Jericho, Stephanie, Rhino, Booker T, they're all involved in a promo exchange. And there's some very memorable moments, especially with Chris Jericho and Stephanie, Booker T and The Rock, which are still talked about to this day. Sit back and enjoy. Now here's a Chicago. Jenny for 
Chris Jericho, Y2J. You know, I am still feeling the effects from that vicious gore last week. And you're right. I have never beaten Rhino. But at SummerSlam, I'm going to take care of that smelly, greasy, nasty animal. And I'm going to get you too, Rhino. funny. You don't agree, Stephanie? Well, you did say that Rhino was going to get the job done, but looking at you standing in that ring right now, I'd say you're the expert when it comes to getting the job done. What does he mean by that, Paul? What are you asking me for? I don't write his stuff. As a matter of fact, I have a little bit of video to show of my own. Let's take a look at a still of our little Stephanie from just last year. I don't get it. And now, let's take a look at our not-so-little Stephanie from just last week. Oh, come on! Look! It's all in the posture! Steph's gaining a little weight, you know, her husband's in the hospital, and she's been a little depressed, and she's been eating a few bonbons. sure has grown over the last year. Well, in two specific places at least. Talk about foreign objects. You want to say let the bodies hit the floor? I would say let the boobies hit the floor. take you out to dinner and we can discuss this. I hear there's a Hooters just down the road from this place. Oh my God. Hooters? Hooters? That's enough! You show this woman some respect. And if you don't, then I suggest you come down to this ring so I can beat some into you. And he can do it, too. Wait a second. What the hell is this? WCW champion Booker T. 
on SummerSlam will defend that WCW title against The Rock. The Rock's return to pay-per-view is this Sunday at SummerSlam against that man, Booker T, for the WCW Championship. The Rock Schmock, Booker T, is the most electrifying man in sports entertainment today. In Booker T's mind, yes. Chanting for the Rock. Stephanie, I know what it's like to be disrespected. Believe me. But it pained me to sit back there and listen to this punk ass sucker dissing you like that. You see, Jericho. This woman right here is all natural. You see, Jericho. You see, Jericho. Damn, you looking fine, Stephanie. Yeah, Jesus. Here's the dream. You've been taking your vitamins, girl. And Triple H is the only driver. You see, Jericho, this you seem to be the expert on women with your long, pretty, blonde hair. I hear there's an opening for a new Backstreet Boy. Maybe you ought to check it out. Oh, boy, was that ever a good one. Uh, well, I hear there's an opening on the new A-Team reunion special. Maybe you should... He didn't say that. Maybe you should check that out, Mr. T. Tell me he didn't say that, JR. You didn't say that. That's what I just said. Tell me... He did not just say that. I just said Mr. T. See, Rhino, I can't wait to SummerSlam. Because after you beat that pretty boy, I face The Rock. For the WCW title this Sunday. That's what you're going to do. And I'm going to take his punk ass straight to school.
just said that you were going to take the rock straight to school. School. Well, the rock could just imagine what you were like in high school. The oldest 27-year-old senior the world has ever seen. Standing out in front of your house with your mama and that short little yellow bus pulling up in front. After what The Rock did to him and smacked down rock bottom right through the table. That's a fact. But The Rock guesses that old saying is true. Booker T, hair done by Whoopi, shaming man, still a pussy. Wait a second, wait a second, Rock. That was a good one, but you're forgetting one half of the family. I mean, look what's standing in the ring right now. You've got a man beast and a hose beast. I mean, we're dealing with the gore and the hose. Shut up! Oh, that's Shut up! That is enough! That's enough! These two clowns are going to get their asses kicked by the Alliance. And I'm promising you that. Oh, The Rock understands this one, Chris. This is a little rhyming contest between you and The Rock. Well, The Rock has got one better than that. Oh, yeah, The Rock has got one better than that. Here's a little rhyme. Here's Booker T and Shane, the punk-ass sucker, and the silver spoon mother manga. Now we go to 2002. Before we get into Hogan... Again, I want to bring up history. It is a big deal. And I think it's not celebrated enough. You know, especially with Kofi winning the WWE Championship not too long ago. You know, this was a big deal in 2002. It did not feel they were putting it on someone simply because they were black. I thought Ron the Truth Killings definitely deserved to win the NWA Heavyweight title. Um, You kind of got the sense that he was going to win it because early in the match... You heard the announcers talking about how so many of the TNA wrestlers were watching this match. 
know, you didn't have this tremendous, unbelievable buildup for months and months and months that would want or warrant all of these people in the back watching, especially some of the names that they, you know, chose. But still, it was a big deal. We had for this week, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Ken Shamrock, defending the title against Ron The Truth Killings. Yes, you already know the outcome. Ron The Truth Killings becomes the first and only NWA Black Heavyweight Champion, World Heavyweight Champion to this day. And um, we're going to share highlights of the match. Unfortunately, like I've said before, you really can't play full matches on these shows. Ring of Honor, Anthem, Impact Wrestling especially, they fucking go bonkers when you do that. And it's a shame, especially moments like this, you want to celebrate the full history. But I think we got enough here that you'll appreciate and enjoy looking back 2002, NWA. Ron Killings has totally got his game face on tonight, and and I don't know. I mean, I'm watching this match. This has been back and forth from moment one. Both of these guys are bringing their A game into that ring. Both of these guys are rocking the other one. I mean, this match has been going back and forth from moment one, and I, I'm telling you, I don't see a clear-cut advantage for either. They both have styles that the other has not yet seen so far in NWA TNA as an opponent. Yeah, really a great point oh, there. This contrast is follow-up move by Shamrock, and you can see the frustration etched in his face as referee Scott Armstrong says you were just this close to keeping the title. Shamrock springs, cutting with the back elbow, that one was on target. Can he follow up now? Can he put killings away? I think Shamrock might be a little rattled at this point in the game. He probably didn't, wasn't even thinking about Ron the Truth Killings as somebody he'd have to be defending his belt against. But here he is in the ring. He might have thought he had a walkover tonight because Ron was not part of that long list. Oh, Shamrock. Here Attempted the Hurricane Rana takeover by Shamrock. Speaking of being ankle lock, submission hold. Shamrock is wrenching that ankle lock in until the referee counts him and forces him to break. That gives him more of an advantage. He puts that much more hurt on Ron the Truth Killings before he has to break. You know, this is the quietest I've ever seen Ron the Truth Killings. He's focused. He's got to be because this is the match of his life. Whoa. Hey, we talked about the wrestlers all being interested as we see James Mitchell, Malice Slash, the disciples of the new church looking on where they're at here in the arena. There they are, way at the back of the building. Yeah, Man, all the wrestlers interested in this kind of match. I'll tell you what, look at this. Don Harris. Yeah, NWA head of security, Don Harris is out here. That was one of your moves, Ricky, putting yeah. Don Harris in that role as head of security, and he's pulled up a steel chair. Look at this, right at the ramp. Oh, man. To make sure that there's no interference. Oh. Well, Monty Brown is here. I told you, everybody man. wants to see this match. Everybody has a vested interest in the outcome of this match. This is the NWA World Heavyweight Championship on the line. There's the alpha male, Monty Brown. When do you see an interview that I did with him? What went down in that later? We'll get to that in a little bit. You're right. That just shows how important this matchup is. Everyone from the back, everyone scouting. All eyes in the building are on these two competitors. Attempt to suplex. Reversed by the he truth. took him over. But you know who's not out here? Jim Jarrett. Yeah, the, the, the dragon told him, you come into the ring, you're suspended. 
offended. Yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence when the dragon talks, people listen. It's all about the respect that Ricky Steamboat brings to the NWA TNA. Killings takes a week in Shamrock, rolls him into the ring. Because he knows he can't win that belt outside of the ring. Shamrock was smart to take the fight outside of the ring. Killings was smarter to bring it back in. Ricky, you've been in both of these roles. Challenger for the heavyweight title as well as champion. Can you go inside oh. both of these competitors? What are their emotions like at a time like this? I always knew as a challenger going in that uh, you're going to have to go after the champion. You have to go after him. You've got to initiate most of the moves, most of the match. You have to be the initiator. Go for the covers. Go for the pin. Try to get as many pinfalls as you can. Wear him down, wear him down. Now, being the champion, my, my mindset was that any time I had an opponent, when I was the champion, my mindset was this. Brother, you're coming to my backyard. You're going to have to come and take it. Make them work That's for That's right. It. That was my mindset. Shamrock's Shamrock doing that. He certainly is. Back to the submission techniques. The cross arm breaker applied. But Ron, the truth killings, able... Shamrock seems frustrated. He could not get a tap out on that arm. Yeah, it, yeah. it is frustration because Ron, the truth killings, was able to block out the pain from that cross arm breaker. Did not submit. A weak in killings, however, comes back. Series of right hands. Sort of locked Shamrock. Oh! oh, oh. playing possum. Elevated him with a back body drop. I Set him up and over and crashing down to the arena floor. I think Shamrock just wants to show the truth what it's like to be in a real heavyweight title match. And he's him a little yeah, beaten for a while. He's finding out up close and personal. Now the two slug it out on the arena floor. Rights from both men. Like we said before, the truth can talk the talk. Shamrock is going to show him what it's like to walk. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's Apollo He just pushed there. aside Don Harris. Jeez. And here comes Apollo running out no, on the next. And here come the disciples as well. This is mayhem. This match is broken down. Monty, Monty Brown as well. Everybody getting involved. Don Harris, Monty Brown on the attack. Sending them back. This Shamrock is Super kick! Apollo just caught Ken Shamrock with the super kick. And now Steve O's gonna roll him back what into the ring. Steve is trying, trying to get order out. He's getting them all out. He's, he is. That's he's it. everybody up the ramp. That's it. Let's get the action back into the ring. Ricky Steve chasing these individuals to the back. That's great. It's back down to the two men in this oh. match. Kind of a variation of a diamond cutter there by the true. There it is. He got caught him with it. Two, two, and he beat him. is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He can walk the walk. The truth can talk the talk. He can walk the walk. This moment right here in time. This is the moment of truth. Ron the Truth Killing, the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it, but he has made a believer out of me. He did it tonight. He came in here focused. He took everything Shamrock could give him. He took everything Shamrock could give him. And he is the heavyweight champion. Ron, the truth killing, has done it. He's defeated the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. And he has the gold representative of the NWA World Heavyweight Championship as he holds it above the ring. Listen to this crowd. Everyone on their feet in the 
TNA Arena for what this man has just done. We've said it before, he walks like a star, he talks like a star, he looks like a star, now he is a champion, as he deserves to be. Same week on SmackDown, we would have a number one contenders match for the heavyweight title. It was Brock Lesnar versus Hulk Hogan. And at that time, it was a big fucking deal, the outcome. Here is that match that a lot of people, I think, to this day still don't realize did take place back in 2002. The legendary Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And the next big thing, Brock Lesnar and the Hulkamaniacs in full force. And the Hulkamaniacs is one of the reasons why Heyman is nervous. Heyman's also nervous because he knows Hollywood Hulk Hogan for years has defied the odds. You can feel this. You can feel the legend looking into the eyes of the granite face Brock Lesnar. I don't think the granite faces you put it very well. Brock Lesnar wants to play a head game with Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Now Hogan's the master of the head game. He showed it earlier tonight, Taz, when he baited this youngster into putting his SummerSlam title shot on the line against The Rock here in this match. The winner of this match goes to SummerSlam. Like Stephanie said, a perfect win-win situation. See the Rock and Hulk or Hogan and Every single Hulkamaniac in this arena pulls standing and screaming for the host. And Hogan and Brock Lesnar, the first lockup of the matchup. A stalemate as both men feel each other out. Look at Brock, man. He looks great. Six foot four, 295 pounds. But don't count Hogan out. It is the strength of the next big thing. The arrogance in this kid. For months and months and months, people have been filling Brock's brain with nothing but confidence and praise. And his agent, Paul Heyman, believe me, I know Paul very well. He knows how to get a guy ready. He knows how to breed winners. Heyman's great. And look at this, Brock Lesnar showing his amateur background. The go-behind as he takes down Hollywood Hulk Hogan with a hook to the back. And now, the vicious assault begins by the next big thing. If Mr. Virginia don't like it, Hulk the Maniacs ain't happy with Brock. And who should they be? Brock Lesnar, the audacity to swap into the locker room of the legendary
And he almost took his head off with that lucky fool holding the plate down. The first time that I can remember, Lester's really. And look at the look in his face. I think Lester's been totally taken aback. Totally surprised. And the whole thing in here earlier. Frustration. Lester's frustrated. Maybe he needs to get over to Lester right now and get in Lester's head and calm Lester down. Or I think Heyman's just as nervous. I don't know if Brock Lesnar can solve this puzzle of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Lesnar seems frustrated. He's been taken aback by Hogan. Lesnar should take his time. Oh, there he goes. Heyman has the referee distracted. And he allows Brock Lesnar to just slam Hogan into the steel post. Not one but two low blows. And the shots now as the next big thing Brock Lesnar goes to work. Hogan. You see right there, Heyman helped Brock cheat to get the advantage, and now Brock is changing the whole pace. Oh, oh and elbow to start it. And complexion of the match. Oh, thunderous elbow, 295 pounds, driven into the heart of Hollywood, Hulk Hogan. And Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar is a former NCAA heavyweight champion, year 2000 Big Ten champion. I mean, Brock Lesnar is a player, a main player. Yeah, Brock Lesnar has the amateur accolades. Oh, a shoulder to the gut. But Brock Lesnar does not have the Hulkamania. Brock Lesnar does not have the experience of Hulk Hogan. But is that enough for Hogan here tonight? Take him out, Brock! Finish him! He's different! Paul knows, Paul knows Brock Lesnar needs to keep the heat, the pressure on Hogan. Don't tell the Hulkamania to bring it. These people will, will be. I mean, Paul Heyman wants Brock Lesnar to finish Hogan, and Lesnar's out here playing to the crowd. The inexperience being shown right now by the next big thing. It's a mistake. Brock is pointing the crowd. Brock is pointing the 12th man. Well, you know, that's why Brock Lesnar is called the next big thing, and not the big thing yet, because he still has a lot to learn. And as Lesnar delivers those clubbing blows to the back of Hogan, what the hell is he doing now? I don't know, but I just got really nervous. This monster, Brock Lesnar, is destroyed on an outfield. He had a look in his eye that was not a nice look. Hogan sneaking up. Hogan behind him. Brock Lesnar behind. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the veteran instinct of the champion, and a wreck in the eyes by Hogan. And here comes the, the legend. Here comes the champion. And that is why Hogan has been successful for 20 years in this business. This is St. Hogan's first picnic. It's the inexperience of Brock Lesnar that's getting to him now. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, can he do it again? Can Hollywood? Oh no! The power on the power into the mat. Heyman strong. Not a good combo with the Hogan right now. Paul Heyman screaming at Lesnar, screaming at his back to finish Hogan. The cover, the hook of the leg. He's got it. No, Hogan. Champion gets the shoulder up. Take another look at this impact. All impact. Great strength and hits by Brock Lesnar. But look at Hogan. He's beginning to feel it. Here comes, here comes the Hulkamania, and here comes Hogan. Brock Lesnar trying to beat Hogan down, but the Hulkamaniacs in his corner. Hogan, you're facing a man who, who's an icon and an army of Hulkamaniacs. Lester, right hand block. Hogan with a right hand to the next 
up 2002 WWE had a global warning event from Melbourne Australia well, they did almost 60,000 people there it was a pretty big deal Rikishi over Rico in a kiss my ass match Mark Henry and Randy Orton over Devon Dudley and Batista Jamie Noble over Hurricane to retain a cruiserweight title Chavo and Hardcore Holly over Billy and Chuck Kurt Angle over Test Christian and Landstorm over Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio Jr. to retain the tag titles Edge over Chris Jericho Tori Wilson over Stacey Keebler in a bra and panties match. In the main event, 
for the WWE Championship, The Rock defeats Brock Lesnar and Triple H to retain. 2004, very, very quietly done. Even though it should have been a huge story. Second time around, WWE releases Sable. 2005, Ring of Honor, you had James Gibson defeat Christopher Daniels, CM Punk, and Samoa Joe in a four-way to win the Ring of Honor heavyweight title. I'm surprised it's been that many years. I remember when that first went down, it was very interesting to see some of the reaction online. But yeah, that happened all the way back in 2005. Also this week in 2005, anybody remember Miss Monday Nitro? That's a name from the past. What was it? Pamela Rogers Turner? Was that it? Pamela Rogers Turner. She was the teacher that got busted having sex with a 13-year-old. It was this week of 2005. She worked out a plea deal, pleaded no contest, and she would be sentenced to nine months in jail. You know, what a lot of people don't know is that after uh, she would, you know, serve a sentence, she was arrested again in April of 2006, didn't learn her lesson. You know, the teenager is still underage sending text messages, nude photos, videos of herself to the same boy. And since I don't think she was allowed to use a cell phone, she actually used her father's cell phone. And um, she she was, I think, sentenced to three years house arrest, seven years probation. If you go on Wiki, they have the fucking jail sentence totally wrong. Um, it was a sad story. I think now she's got to be like, what, mid to upper 30s in age? Nothing has transpired since. She lives a very private life. I know CNN had talked about her several years ago in a big story, but uh, she stays out of the limelight. She does not do interviews. I mean, it was a pretty big story back in 0405, to be honest with you. 2006, Brian Danielson beats Nigel McGuinness to not only unify the Ring of Honor world title and the pure title, the Ring of Honor pure championship would be retired after that match. 2007, TNA would have hard justice from Florida. This would be the official debut of Pac-Man Jones. God-awful garbage. It is what it is, everybody. Jay Lethal and Sunjay Dutt over Triple X, which was Christopher Daniels and Senshi and the Motor City Machine Guns. Kaz over Raven. James Storm over Rhino in a ballroom brawl. LAX over Voodoo Kim Mafia. Robert Root over Eric Young. Chris Harris over Black Rain. The Steiners over Team 3D. Abyss, Andrew Martin, and Sting over Christian AJ Styles and, Tom, and Tomko in a Doomsday Chamber of Blood match. This was the only match that involved Test. Um, look, at the time, I know a lot of people say, you know, with the government looking into steroids and all this other, he was released quite a few weeks later. That's what a lot of people reported. Here's the deal. There's footage online of Andrew Martin about two months before his match this week for TNA. Watch that clip. You just search Andrew Martin test June 2007. Look at that interview segment, that clip. He looks fine. He looks healthy. His hair is a little longer, and he doesn't look extremely blown up. He looks a little more jacked, but he looked fine. I don't know what happened between June of 07 to August of 07. My only guess, and it's just a guess, is that he fucking started juicing like a maniac, thinking that if he was extra huge for TNA, that they would ooh and ah and keep him, and the reverse happened. 
And uh, it's a tragedy what happened to Andrew Martin, without a doubt. But, you know, look at that video from June of 07 and then look at his appearance at Hard Justice and you'd be like, what the fuck happened to that guy? Anyway, main event for TNA World Heavyweight Title, AWGP Heavyweight Title, X Division Title, Tag Title, Kurt Angle over Samoa Joe. So Angle now has a plethora of belts. 2008, TNA has Hard Justice from Trenton, New Jersey. Petey Williams over Consequences Creed to retain the X Division title. Gil Kim, Taylor Wilde, and ODB over Angelina Love, Awesome Kong, and Velvet Sky. For the TNA Tag Titles, Beer Money, Inc. win the belts, defeating LAX. Jay Lethal over Sunjay Dutt in a black tie brawl and chain match. Christian, Rhino, they team up to defeat Team 3D in a New Jersey street fight. AJ Styles over Kurt Angle in a last man standing match. Main event, Samoa Joe over Booker T in a steel cage weapons match to retain the TNA heavyweight title. 2010, This we were right on the cusp of hardcore justice. TNA's ECW reunion show. Now, we'll get back to that in a moment. First, TNA had an event called the whole effing show from Orlando. This, I believe, was supposed to be the original card for their pay-per-view. But because they decided to do Hardcore Justice, the ECW reunion show, these matches were done as a separate event. I'm not 100% certain of that, but I'm pretty positive if I remember correctly. That's how it went down. Yeah, Kurt Angle over AJ Styles. Matt Morgan over D'Angelo De Niro and Mr. Anderson in three-way. For the TNA Knockouts title, Angelina Love wins the belt, defeating Madison Rain. Jeff Hardy over Shannon Moore. Motor City Machine Guns over Beer Money in the best two out of three falls match to win the best of five series and to retain the TNA tag titles. And the main event, Rob Van Dam over Abyss in a stairway to Janice match to retain the TNA heavyweight title. Eric Bischoff, special guest referee. So now we come to TNA's ECW reunion event, Hardcore Justice. Yes, we go back and we laugh at the uh, the names that they needed to use for some of the wrestlers because of, you know, trademarks and what WWE owned. And I always remember Cajones. And uh, we became friendly with Balls Mahoney personally. Mass Maniac will vouch for that. And he used to laugh hysterically at uh, him having to use the word Cajones, which was pretty funny. I even think Taz got a good laugh out of it as well. And he was doing commentary that night. But um, what a lot of people may forget is that the main event originally was supposed to be Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn, but Jerry Lynn got injured. So um, it ended up being Rob Van Dam versus Sabu in the main event. Now, a couple of days before, to hype up Hardcore Justice, a promo that I think a lot of people have forgotten, which honestly, I look back on it, very passionate. Tommy Dreamer, very emotional. I think this is worth checking out. Tommy Dreamer in the ring with various ECW wrestlers, Dick Mick Foley, Raven, Rhino, Dick Stevie Richards as well. I don't know. I can't remember who else was in the ring. But Dreamer cuts a promo about why hardcore justice not only meant a lot to them. And yes, he was selling a bag of beans. But I thought this was a great fucking promo. And I think you'll appreciate it as well. 2010, Impact Wrestling, Tommy Dreamer about hardcore justice. I have watched TNA since the beginning when they were at the asylum in Nashville. And I watched 
a small company grow. And my friends would always tell me, Tommy, quit your job, come over here. And I was scared. I was a dad with two little kids and I had financial security. I kept on seeing so many similarities between the original ECW and TNA. The original ECW was a place where men and women who were unknown became legends. Where legends in the wrestling business came to ECW to reinvent their career. You see, long before Samoa Joe was dumping people on their heads and choking people out, there was Taz the human suplex machine doing it everywhere. What Ric Flair did for Jay Lethal, Terry Funk did for me and did for Mick Foley. Before the beautiful people, there was Francine and Beulah McGillicuddy. And I saw, when you invited me to Slammiversary, I got to feel TNA. I got to see a bunch of men and women doing what they do for passion, doing what they do for the love of this business, and doing what they do for each and every one of you. And I have to thank you for bringing back that passion. Because in 2005 at ECW One Night Stand, I had my closure. I really did. And then they brought it back. And I got to witness my friends who we used to party like rock stars together. And now I know their kids. I got to watch them get fired. I watched them get destroyed. For what? Exactly. Until it bothered me so much that I had to quit my own job. And at 38 years old, that was a hell of a risk, but I couldn't stomach watching something that I love so much. And I'm seriously, I sat out this crowd and he would talk to me, he would talk to me, he would talk to me, and he was the final one. He showed me all the similarities, everything that happened, and we all put this plan together. And there is only one person that can make it happen, and it's you. This is not about an ECW invasion. This is not about us taking over. This is about men and women who lost their jobs, whose lives were affected by it. I refuse to cry because I'm really happy. 
I love you guys too. This is about for the fans that chant it, for my friends who lived it, that our legacy is not destroyed. I beg of you, for one night, give us one night to show the world what we had and our legacy can live forever. I beg of you. Do you guys want one night? Do you guys want one night? You know how to put a person in a difficult position. <laughs> Look, you can't come out here and get emotional like that. I, I believe in you guys. But if we're going to do this, you guys want to do this? I have one stipulation. You and you guys plan this. You plan everything about it. You have complete control to do it the right way. It's got to be real. It's got to be real and it's got to be what you want. Nothing that has to do with TNA. TNA is giving this to you. Impact Zone, we're going extreme. Match results from that night, and I'm just going to use AECW names. You know, I think it's nothing wrong with that. I do what I want, right? FBI over Kid Cash, Simon Diamond, and Johnny Swinger. Two Cold Scorpio over C.W. Anderson. Just Incredible loses to Stevie Richards. You had Rhino defeat Al Snow and Spike Dudley in a three-way. The Dudleys over Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney in a street fight. Raven over Tommy Dreamer. Rob Van Dam over Sabu. Always remember after the event was over... With that sign and basically the Dudley, fuck you, Vince, with Dixie. I'm telling you, man, she definitely had a mindgasm that night. Uh, I don't think the buzz was as big. What was the buy rate? Some people said that even though it was the second most bought pay-per-view that year for TNA, the buy rate was only like fifteen to 20,000 buys, which is sad, to say the least. And wrapping up 2010, I think this was a pretty big signing when you look back on it. It was this week in 2010 that WWE signed Seth Rollins. 2011, an event you probably never heard of that actually got some pretty good reviews, and I think the video is online. I've never seen it. Juggalo Championship Wrestling has their Legends and Icons iPay-Per-View from Caven Rock, Illinois. Steel Cage Match, Greg Dahmer Valentine over Tito Santana. You had a Battle Royal, uh, which, uh, let me just tell you the participants first. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Rugged Ronnie Garvin, Headbanger Mosh and Headbanger Thrasher, Carlito, Superfly Jimmy Snooker, Tony Atlas, Big Daddy V, Zach Gowan, Rob Conway, Doink the Clown, Eugene, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Disco Inferno, and Rikishi. Not only was it won by Zach Gowan, but uh, he last eliminated Big Daddy V. Out of all the matches from this event, everybody said that that was the most pathetic. Yeah, it was a big letdown as well because you had the Rock and Roll Express defeat the Midnight Express in about a minute. 
In a Philly Madness match, Raven, uh, Balls Mahoney, and Shane Douglas, Sabu, two Colt Scorpio, Al Snow, they all lost to Rhino. Bob Backlund over Ken Patera. Austin Idol, he actually defeats Doug Gilbert, Brickhouse Brown, Coco Beware, and Dutch Mantel in a Memphis Madness match. Tracy Smothers with Isabella Smother over Wildfire Tommy Rich. The special guest referee, Vampiro, uh, he refed the match of the Wolfpack. Kevin Nash and X-Pac with Scott Hall in their corner. They defeated the New Age Outlaws. Terry Funk versus Rowdy Roddy Piper ended up being Terry Funk and Mick Foley taking on Roddy Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton. Basically, Mick Foley was doing commentating, and because Bob Orton would interfere, it turned into a tag match. And it would be Roddy Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. defeating Mick Foley and Terry Funk. Not a bad card. There's actually some decent reviews online of it. I, one day I'm going to actually watch it and I'll give you my thoughts. I mean, look, a lot of those wrestlers were way over the hill as far as in the ring. So don't expect, you know, unbelievable matches. But as far as nostalgic purposes, didn't look like a bad card. 2011, TNA has Hardcore Justice from Orlando. Brian Kendrick over Alex Shelley and Austin Aries in a three-way to retain the X Division title. For the knockouts, tag titles, Tara and Miss Tessmacher retain, defeating Sarita and Rosita. D'Angelo De Niro over Brother Devon in a Bound for Glory series match. For the knockouts title, Winter defeats Mickey James to win the belt. Crimson over Rob Van Dam by DQ in a Bound for Glory series match. Fortune which was Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, and Kazarian defeating Immortal of Gunner Abyss and Scott Steiner. Bully Ray over Mr. Anderson. Beer Money over Mexican America to retain the tag titles. And the main event, Kurt Angle over Sting to win the TNA heavyweight title. 2012, Hardcore Justice from Florida. Chavo Guerrero and Hernandez over Gunner and Kid Cash. False Count Anywhere match for 20 points. In the Bound for Glory series challenge, Rob Van M over Magnus and Mr. Anderson. For the TNA TV title, Devon or Devin, however you pronounce it, he retains, defeating Kazarian. For the knockouts title, Madison Rain wins the belt, defeating Miss Tessmacher. Tables match for 20 points. Bound for Glory series, Bully Ray over James Storm, Jeff Hardy, and Robbie E. For the X Division title, Zima Ion retains, defeating Kenny King. In a ladder match for 20 points, Bound for Glory Series. AJ Styles over Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels. In the main event, Austin Aries retains the TNA heavyweight title in a last chance match over Bobby Roode. And because Bobby Roode lost, he could never challenge for the TNA heavyweight title ever again as long as Austin Aries was champion. Also 2012, WWE releases A.W. Abraham Washington uh, only a week or so after making that dumb remark about Kobe Bryant on TV. Now, look, in the end, I'm actually going to show some love for A.W. Originally, we were going to just poke fun at him because he went on a Twitter storm after he got released. And I researched all his old tweets and some of them, quote, AW Promotions is no more, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the support and the hate. It's been a great run. Now I get to do me, which isn't PG. Titus O'Neill and Darren Young, thank you for allowing me to speak on your behalf. You guys are the best, and I'm glad to call you my friends. I've offended the wrong people. That taught me how to have attitude. It was the first WWE that, it was, that made me bold, and now it has turned its back on me. 
Let this be a lesson to up-and-coming talent in the WWE. Don't try to be great like The Rock or Steve Austin. WWE isn't the same. Just be normal, shut up, and be a yes man so you can collect your check and feel like you're special. Hashtag sellouts. Quote, I remember a time when WWE didn't care about breaking the mold. Now everyone is so afraid of their own shadow. Hashtag remember the fans. I know some of you saying right now, oh, that's very real about 2019. I'm just reading you what he said. Quote, thanks for the fans who showed me support over the whole Colby thing. And those I upset, I apologize again. Remember, it's entertainment, folks. You want a cool update? Just look at what AW is doing right now. His current character, look, he always had a great physique. But I look at that character and I say to myself, why the fuck is this guy not, you know, higher on the food chain as far as wrestling goes? I'm not saying he has to be in WWE right now or AEW or Impact Wrestling, but, you know, that gimmick is very impressive. Just look up AW GOAT. I'll let you see for yourself. Very impressed. Very impressed. 2012, wrapping up that year, Ring of Honor at Boiling Point from Providence, Rhode Island. Bravado Brothers over George Santi and Mike Seidel. Roderick Strong over Mike Mondo. QT Marshall over Antonio Thomas, Matt Taven, and Vinny Maseglia in a four-corner survival match. Adam Cole over Bob Evans in a proving ground match. Charlie Haas over Michael Elgin. The Briscoes over Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino. Jay Lethal over Tommaso Ciampa. Two falls to one in the best two out of three falls match. Eddie Edwards and Sarah Del Rey over Maria Canellis and Mike Bennett. This would be the last appearance of Sarah Del Rey. She would leave to go to WWE as a trainer. Main event, Kevin Steen over Eddie Kingston to retain the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship. 2014 WWE releases Alberto Del Rio. This was after the incident, you might remember. Somebody in catering um, apparently made a racial comment, a joke to Alberto Del Rio that he did not like, slapped the person, got released over it. Not only that, WWE even issued a little uh, announcement saying that he had unprofessional conduct. It is what it is. Personally, I don't think Del Rio should have been released over it, but there's a lot more to that story that never came out from what I understand. 2015. Now, look, when you're a writer for WWE, I don't think it's a requirement you have to watch porn or be familiar with uh, a lot of uh, Bang Brothers and all this other shit going on. But you would think somebody would do their due diligence, search the net to see if other wrestling organizations used like the name of a clique before or a faction, or maybe possibly because of one of the names involved that maybe it was the name of an adult film or something. Somebody didn't do their due diligence. Because this week of 2015, WWE ran into major problems because they had named the group of Charlotte, Paige, and Becky Lynch uh, the submission sorority. In fact, Mish and I on Breakfast Soup this very week, we were actually laughing and poking fun about that whole story. I had no idea it was this week in history that that happened, but it did. So what happens, TMZ, they write this big article about WWE using the name of, you know, some adult series from some fucking porn thing. So WWE is forced to change the group of Paige, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte to the ever-creative PCB. And for those that are, you know, still not understanding why they named them PCB, P is for Paige, 
C is for Charlotte. B is for Becky. Very creative, right? 2015, AAA has their Triple Mania 23 event from Mexico. I'm only mentioning it because it is one of the worst AAA pay-per-views of all time. It is god-awful. You look at the names on the card, you'd be surprised. But, hey, you know, some people out there like to watch car accidents. If some people out there want to see some uh, well-known wrestlers stinking up the joint, here you go. Plus, I think there was also a lot of uh, technical issues during the night. Dinastia, Drago, Koya Kong, and Pimpinella Escarata of Adega, Mamba, Mini Cycle Clown, and Sexy Star. Six-man tag match, Volado number three, four, and five over Monster Clown, Murder Clown, and Psycho Clown. Three-way trio steel cage match for the AAA World Trios Championship. Averno, Chessman, and Cibernetico. They retain, defeating uh, Angelico and Jack Evans, El Hio del Fantasma, Pentagon Jr., and El Texano Jr. Blue Demon Jr. and La Parca of Electroshock and El Maceus. In the hair versus hair match, El Alberto, El Patron. Some people would say El Patron Alberto with Phoenix in his corner over Brian Cage with El Hio del Fantasma in his corner. In the main event, Rey Mysterio Jr. over Mistasis. Mistasis? I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't follow him. I'm not going to lie. And wrapping up this episode, you know, I don't know. Good, bad, good. Maybe bad, good, bad. I don't know. I think good, bad. Well, maybe. First off, uh, WWE releases Joey Styles and Ryback. It was funny with Ryback because Ryback was just not on the good graces of WWE. When Ryback actually left, he actually went online and wished WWE the best in their future endeavors. A week later, WWE is like, no, 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 no. We wish Ryan Reeves the best in his future endeavors. Ryback still to this day, years later, still bitching and complaining about WWE. I guess he's earned that right. Joey Styles, very silent. That's a guy that should be commenting in my, uh, commentating in my opinion for AEW. Joey Styles is awesome. But I know some bullshit controversy at a show a year or two ago, which was totally undeserving for Joey Styles to get the heat that he did. Ridiculous, but that's the current climate. I don't blame Joey Styles for saying fuck you to wrestling. I just can't deal. This is what it felt like. I hope he's doing well. Same week, we had a major announcement in TNA. Dixie Carter, no longer president of TNA Wrestling. Uh, Billy Corgan would now hold the title of chairman and chief strategy officer we know what ended up with Billy Corgan and his relationship with TNA. It would lead to lawsuits, and it was just an absolute mess. TNA, this was the end of it. No other way to put it. Billy Corgan now trying to revive the NWA. You know, too many years and decades of neglect towards the NWA, and Billy Corgan is working his ass off trying to get that promotion turned around. But there was some positive news this week in TNA. On TV, we had the TNA debut of this man. Impact Wrestling Management has done what a few people were too scared to do. Give me a microphone on live TV. 
No, I am not going to stand out here and... Let it out. Come on, let it out. This is a long time coming. I am not going to stand out here and talk about glass ceilings and brass rings and any other kind of cliche. I am going to do what I always have done, and that is come out here and tell the truth. I am going to speak with full disclosure. And for those that used to employ me, don't worry, because this is not about you. This is about something near and dear to my heart. Something that I've always put first and foremost in my career. The paying customer, the supporter of professional wrestling, the fans. And over the course of the last five years, me having this philosophy, some people have labeled me too entertaining to receive opportunities to compete for world titles. Oh, come on, let it out! But remember this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, no matter what any majority shareholder CEO or authority figure may want you to believe anyone who has ever set foot in any ring has always worked directly for all of you. So, impact, here we are. Now, there are some that are preordained to receive opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And in the process, not only is your intelligence insulted, but your opinions are thrown out the window. There are others that on an even playing field seize opportunity. And right here in Impact Wrestling, right here in TNA, this is the proving ground where a talent can pass or fail, succeed or not succeed, based on talent alone. And do we really need proof? I'll give you proof. EC3, Drew Galloway, Bobby Lashley, I mean, there's even a guy called Brother Nero that I hear everyone talking about, but I haven't met him. But he sounds pretty good. You get my point. When I first came here, there was a graphic that said, he's doing it his way. And this is my way. Even playing field. Take and seize opportunity. Exercise and realize my full potential. I've never tested my IQ. That was just an act, but thank you very much. 
But mark my words. My way is simply proving it here. And my way is not only going to change the landscape, but is going to change the very template of our industry. And for those of you that know me personally, you know I'm telling the truth. I've been called many names over the years. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. My name is Aaron. And as of right now, as of this second, Aaron Rex's new home is Impact Wrestling. You want to shoot, Cowboy? Let's shoot. Aaron Rex has a plan. He's doing it his way. A breath of fresh air. Welcome to Impact Wrestling. What a night for Aaron Rex. A new beginning for this tremendous athlete. Yeah, you talk about shooting, Daddy. Well, Rex shot straight from his hip. And I'm sure those bullets struck a lot of nerves. A tremendous premiere, a monumental debut. Aaron Rex is trending, and Aaron Rex is on Impact Wrestling. Notable birthdays this week. Go celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Lord Alfred Hayes, Dino Bravo, Penny Banner, Grizzly Smith, Wally Dusek, Carol Kalmikoff, Eddie Varag, Dave Rule, Mr. Moto, Steve Brody, Frank Thompson, Shag Thomas, Chris Zaharias, Vince Montana, Big Daddy Lipscomb, Little Brutus, Al Panetta, Pat Shaka, Juan Reynosa, Lou Plummer, Taro Mayaki, Tarzan White, and Bud Curtis. Happy birthday to all of you. By the way, I had a few people ask me, and I've never addressed it before, you know, what qualifications do I acknowledge some birthdays and not others? You know, number of matches is one. Obviously, some people have never wrestled, obviously have big roles in wrestling over the years. But some people have said, why do you mention some names nobody's ever heard of before? I can honestly tell you that over the last two plus years of me doing history shows, I must have had at least 20 to 30 private messages or emails from family members or old time wrestlers who actually at one point were pretty big names who contacted me, some deceased, you know, relatives and thanked me for keeping their name alive. So it's just a matter of showing respect, to be honest, everybody. Tony Savoldi and Jimmy Valiant turned 77. Jim Crockett Jr. is 75. Hulk Hogan and Franco Colombo is 66. Terry Taylor and Norio Honaga is 64. Fred Ottman and Sheldon Goldberg turned 63. Bill Alfonso, 62. Brett Sawyer turns 59. Savio Vega, 55. Dr. Wagner Jr. and Johnny Smith are 54. Asia, remember her from WCW? She turns 53. Sable Eslaban Perdida and Eric Engel turn 52. Headhunters A and B, 1 and 2, they turn 51. Johnny Villalobos and Al Farat turn 50. Kentaro Kanemura and Miwa Sato are 49. Ultimo Dragoncito is 47. Jonathan Coachman, Mini Psychosis, Nanjo Hayato and Kevin Knight turn 46. Scott Demore, Enrique Lopez, and Yutaka Fukuda turn 45. Shockboy Yuhi Yoshino and Paul McCannon are 44. Gosako Gosha Guara, Gawara, Lennox Lightfoot, Anthony Pulaski, and Kid Vicious turn 43.
Pierov Jr., Scotty Charisma, El Inquisidor, Inquisidor, Cozy Kubota, and Tyson Dean turn 42. Vinny Mazzaro, Reigns, and Hub are 41. Congo Kong turns 40. Stu Bennett, Shayna Baszler, Brittany Force, and Patrick Schultz are 39. Silas Young, La Plaga, and Sigmasta Rapo are 38. D-Ray 3000, Johnny Dynamo, Riddick Stone, Taro Nahashi, and Principe Odin, Odin Jr. or Odin Jr. turn 37. Rampage Brown and Lizzie Valentine at 36. Luvia, Chris Gazaway, and Chris Wolf turn 35. Tony Nice, Angelica, Falaba, Jamin Olivencia, and Carrero Maya Jr. are 34. Rebby Sky, Apulon, Bram, and Estrada Magica turn 33. Jetta, Alex Payne, and Joe Gacy at 32. Marty Bell and Mr. Showtime Hota turn 31. Leon Dorado Jr., Jerry Brown, Shank Barzini, and Sexy Boy Leo turn 30. Commando Cobra, Alan Extreme, and Zach Gibson turn 29. Alexa Bliss, Emperador Azteca, Tetsuya Endo, and K. Lee Ray turn 28. Natsu Sumire is 27. Rene Richter, Aoi Ishibashi, and El Soberano Jr. turn 26. And happy birthday to Brad O'Brien. He turns 24. Notable debuts this week in history. Exotic Adrian Street debuted in 1957. Hulk Hogan in 1977. Alberto El Patron in 2000. Nick and Matt Jackson debuted in 2004. And finally, notable deaths this week. Those who passed away this week in history. Frederick von Schacht and Karl von Hess died at age 90. Gladys Guillem at 89. Louis Miller at 83. Red Bastine and Bronco Lubick died at age 81. Yukon Jake at 79. Terry Yorkston at 78. Gordon Hessel at 77. Ed Strangler Lewis died at age 76. Turpin Grimes, Ray Duran, and Jack Pinto died at age 75. Ken Lucas and Jim Gillespie died at age 73. Teresa Thies passed away at 68. Mike Sharp Jr. at 66. Ken Fenelon died at 63. Scott Ledoux at 62. Jonathan Boyd at 56. Buddy Aston at 52. Rudy Sakuruski at 49. Jackie Sato and Ronnie Paul, they died at age 40. With that, I bid you farewell for this week in wrestling history. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD, the website DonTony.com. Email me, dontony at dontony.com, facebook.com slash DTKC show. Remember, we have a Discord up and running. It is busy, interactive, 24-7, 365. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Go check it out. It's free for everybody. But if you'd like to help us keep these shows free, keep the bills paid, the lights on, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash dontony. For as little as $2, you could sign up. Not only do you help us support the shows financially, but you will get a boatload of content in return. Every Tuesday, there is a live show that airs right after SmackDown. Every other week, it's Breakfast Soup, hosted by yours truly and Mish. You have Castle Chronicles, which is a solo show hosted by Kevin Castle. Ad-free episodes of this show, DTKC, Breakfast with Blasi. I do a solo show there, blah, 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 which is everything pretty much but wrestling. And there's a lot of other exclusive content. And what's cool is you could sign up and get access to all of the episodes we've done before. There are hundreds of Patreon exclusive shows that we have done there that are yours for the taking. 
As little as $2 gets you signed up, $5 gets you everything. And if you want to be a vip and interact, you know, you could go even higher. So go check it out, patreon.com slash Don Tony. And everyone, have a great week. I will return with Season 2, Episode 33 of This Week in Wrestling History next week. Take care. Ciao. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com.